Real quick, let me just start off by saying this is Peter Rosenberg, your forever 24-7 champion, host of the Cheap Heat Podcast. And I want to shout out the Will Wonder Podcast. You know what I wonder? What amazing takes will be given today on this show? Will I ever get the nod, the invite to be a guest on this show? Will I ever feel like coming on the show if I get that invite? We don't know. But you're checking out the Will Wonder Podcast. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Episode 122 of the Will Wonder Pod. Hope everyone had a great weekend. I had a great time last Friday night at Chakra Lounge. Shout out to my guy, DJ Bad Boy Brian, for having me. And shout out to everyone who came out and danced and had some drinks and just had a good time. It was it was fun to see some faces I hadn't seen in a little bit, uh, but also just fun to be behind the tables in a club or bar, I guess, bar setting. It's been a long, long time. So thank you all for coming out. Again, shout out to Bad Boy Brian. Shout out to the Shocker Lounge. Might come back at some point, you know, make it like a once every, I don't know, six months type of thing. <laughs> uh, other than that, man, it was a beautiful weekend here. So nice in Salt Lake City. Got a lot of yard work done. My son had his very first basketball game. Like actual team you know, referees, again, he's five, so the referees aren't really doing much, um, but uh, it was so cool to see him out there, his very first shot in and out was crazy, I was about to lose my mind if his first shot went in, got his first start of his career, you know, he was the one at the beginning of the game jumping for the tip-off, and um, I mean, he didn't know what the hell was going on, either did the other kid, <laughs> So the ball just kind of went up. My son hit it, and we got it. So good. You know what I mean? All good there. But that was a lot of fun. I'm so excited to watch him play. You know, obviously he has t-ball. He has soccer. He does karate. He's just a busy kid. But you all know how much I love basketball, and seeing him actually enjoy it and have fun and just smile while running up and down the court was really, really cool. So other than that, it was a... Not much else went on this weekend. Now, I say that there's a lot of basketball, which I'm going to get to soon, but it was so beautiful outside. Spent a lot of time outside just, you know, clean the garage. I did some dad shit this weekend. Clean the garage, mow the lawn, put the fertilizer down, rake up the old dead grass, get rid of some of the leaves that were still hanging around. I'm in competition with my uh, neighbor who is, I'm going to guess in his late 50s, possibly early 60s. And he's very, his grass is like, you know, a nice golf course, that type of grass, like the shit you see on TV. So I, I have a long road ahead of me to try to get to that point, but you know, I'm excited for it. And I hope one day to be better than his yard. We'll see. I'll keep you guys all updated. You know what I mean? If I'm doing this podcast another 10 years. Uh, at that point, I better have a better yard than his. That's about it, though, for the intro here. Let's get into some NBA talk because, whoo, buddy, did we have some playoff games, game ones. Game ones can always make people overanalyze things or, you know, kind of think that the series is going to turn one way. But minus the Kings and Warriors, uh, as well as 76ers and Nets, that's all I have to go off of as I record this on a Tuesday afternoon. So we'll start in the East. Nets 76ers, Nets uh, are down 
Philly will more than likely sweep here, I think. Maybe Brooklyn sneaks game three or four, but I really doubt it. One thing that you need to remember with this Nets team is that post-trade deadline, they weren't very good at all. Actually had a losing record. So again, a sweep is most likely what is going to happen unless Philly just decides, hey, let's let's take a game off. Celtics-Hawks feels honestly like another sweep here. Also, possibly Trey Young's last season in Atlanta. Have to wait and see how that plays out, but it just doesn't seem like it's working there. Celtics look good. This has a better chance of the Hawks winning a game than the Nets would against Philly. But even with that said, I can see Celtics just running through it, ending the series, which again is so weird as we talked on the pod last week with Mike. The Hawks have a relatively good roster on paper, but just something isn't clicking. Uh, Knicks-Cavs was a really, really fun game one. Brunson balled out, Mitchell balled out. I'm still going to roll with Cleveland in this series, though the Knicks uh, took game one. This is by far my favorite series in the East, and I hope it's going to go seven. I can really see it going seven. Can you imagine game seven, Donovan Mitchell in Madison Square Garden ends the Knicks season? (laughs) Ooh, boy, Knicks fans would just be... Ah, but it'd be tough for them. Uh, What else we got? Bucks Heat. Wow. Giannis gets hurt in the first quarter, comes back for, I think, less than a minute in the second quarter, then heads to the locker room and is officially done for the game. Tyler Hero breaks his hand in the second quarter. Jimmy Butler goes all God mode, and Miami beats Milwaukee 117-130. to you have to think Wednesday night the Bucks bounce back. I would imagine Giannis is back and he's playing. This series has to go Milwaukee's way, I would imagine, especially with no Tyler Hero. But there's just something about the heat that they just never go away quietly. So this could be an interesting, longer-than-expected series. We move to the West, Nuggets, Minnesota. Uh, I know plus minus isn't everything, but Rudy Gobert had an awful game at minus 28. Jokic only had 13 points, but it's so much more than his scoring. Jokic is able to pull either Rudy or Towns out of the paint because he's essentially initiating the offense most times, opening everything up for his team, but he's not going to win MVP. Embiid's going to win it. It is what it is. Embiid camp and Philly really pushed hard, and it looked like Jokic and that camp didn't give a shit. Um, Got a little chippy towards the end of this game. And to me, worst case scenario, I think Nuggets one in five. I just don't think Minnesota has it. They have a very interesting offseason ahead of them as well to figure out what the hell they're going to do with this roster because it's not working. Lakers Grizzlies, man, AD. And I quote, I can't feel my arm. And then he comes back. (laughs) Looked like his arm was fine after that. Uh, John Morant gets hurt late. Rui Hachimura has the best game of his career, has 29 points off the bench for the Lakers. Even though Memphis was up at half, I never really felt like the Lakers were going to lose this game. I did actually get to watch nearly this entire game, which was nice on a Sunday afternoon. This is just a tough matchup for Memphis with the bench players that they have. They're not really that deep. Obviously, you know, last week we talked about Adams and Clark not even playing for the rest of the season. Memphis essentially has seven guys that can play. 
Whereas you look at the Lakers and with all the trades they made at the trade deadline this year, they are actually decently deep. They got about nine guys that they can rotate in and out. And you know, when you have LeBron and AD and then seven other guys, you you have a good chance. Uh, game two is this Wednesday. John Morant is a game time decision with some soft tissue damage. I was listening to Woj talk earlier, and he says there's not a lot of optimism in the Grizzlies organization that Morant's going to play game two. It just seems to be so nicely lined up for the Lakers to at least get into the second round. Just like I said last week, like they, they meet this Memphis team without Adams and Clark, who are coming off of a lot of weird shit this season. And then John Morant gets hurt. <laughs> so, well, we'll see. Clippers Suns, out of all the game ones, this was the one that surprised me the most. Obviously, Clippers know Paul George in this series. Phoenix opening up at home. I thought there was no way they lose this. Then Kawhi goes all Kawhi, which I said on Twitter was one of the funnest things in basketball to watch. 38 points, great defense down the stretch. Chris Paul looked awful for Phoenix. Russell Westbrook looked awful offensively for the Clippers. But down the stretch, it seemed like he was the most important player on the entire court. It felt like he was making every single play and was responsible for multiple offensive boards and forcing turnovers, making great passes. So good showing by him. I still think Phoenix wins this series. But honestly, when I was watching Kawhi, I started to have flashbacks of that Toronto Raptors NBA champion Kawhi and what he was doing in that series uh, against Golden State, what he did against Philly. And I think if we get more of that, could be a different ending to this series. I just don't feel comfortable betting one way or the other on this one. Kings Warriors, ooh, boy. Uh, This was fun to watch, both game one and game two. The Kings are a lot of fun to watch. They are ridiculously fast. They move the ball well. Darren Fox does whatever he wants when he needs to do it. Gets to the cup, makes the right decisions nearly every time. Game two, the Warriors got a bit flustered. <laughs> and for the first time in the in the playoffs that I've been watching this Warriors team, they looked old and outworked. Minus Steph, of course, Though Steph was getting pressured. Davion Mitchell was in his grill. A lot of players were getting just up in him. And turnovers were killing the Warriors, which is kind of the story of the Warriors season. And almost the story of, like, this dynasty. Though in the past, they had enough guys to make shots where those turnovers didn't really matter. Then we have Draymond Green stomping out DeMontis Sabonis. (laughs) Yeah, I know Sabonis grabbed his leg, but the stomp... And the super jump from Draymond was a little much. Uh, Awful timing. It was a very crucial point in the game where I felt the Warriors could still make a run to win. And then he essentially just screwed over his team. He went like, felt like I was watching WWE. Cussing out fans, smiling to the camera, talking shit. And then he also might be suspended for game three. I feel like I'm going to be eating my words from last week's pod when I said I was picking the Warriors to win this series and it was a cute run by the Kings. It's going to be a lot more than that. The Kings are going to be a very, very tough out in these playoffs. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Thanks, Captain Obvious.
All right, coming up, we continue to celebrate hip hop's 50th birthday as we discuss mixtape DJs and DJ K Slate. We just had his one year anniversary of his passing, so we're going to honor him and talk all mixtape era. After that, we will have the audio from the Gabino Grimes interview that can be found on the Will Wonder Pod YouTube page. So if you want to watch it, obviously go to the YouTube page. If you want to listen to it, it's coming up after the mixtape talk. All that after this. Hey Alexa, can you show me a new barber? Don't worry, I got you. Boogie Down Barbershop in Taylorsville is now open. Anything from gentleman's cuts, taper, fade, or if you want to treat yourself to a nice hot towel shave, Boogie Down Barbershop has you covered. Cuts for men and kids. Book your appointment today at boogiedownbarbershop.com. Keith Grayson, a.k.a. DJ K. Slay, was born August 14, 1966. K. Slay would later epitomize hip-hop, originally starting as a graffiti artist known as Dez. His work would be featured in the 1983 hip-hop documentary Style Wars. He started DJing in the 80s, but it was also selling drugs at the same time. In 1989, he was arrested and spent over a year in prison. In 1994, he would start releasing mixtapes. Let's pause it right there. What's a mixtape, you ask? My question to you is, are you 12 years old? Uh, But I will explain. A mixtape is a compilation of songs, usually from different artists, similar to your playlists on Apple Music or Spotify today, but they were actually on tapes and CDs and hosted by a DJ. In the early 2000s, many hip-hop artists and labels would give their music to DJs to break records and build hype for the upcoming album on these mixtapes. Later, artists would have full mixtapes of just themselves, generally freestyling over other people's instrumentals and creating their own songs, a la G-Unit and Lil Wayne. All right, now back to DJ K-Slay. This is from Rolling Stone. By the early 2000s, DJ K-Slay was a well-known figure in New York City's hip-hop scene, but his career jumped to another level when he found himself in the middle of one of the biggest rap feuds in history, Nas versus Jay-Z, when he became the first person to play Nas's infamous diss track, Ether. The song also appeared on the DJ K-Slay mixtape, Renegade Part 3.5. After that, K-Slay tapes would become the go-to place for diss tracks, and a few years after Ether, he played host to another notable bout, 50 Cent versus Ja Rule. Being the person who really escalated these beef records, K-Slay would soon become known as the Drama King. In 2003, DJ K-Slay took a slight turn towards mainstream when he made his first major release, which was called The Street Sweepers Volume 1, on Columbia Records. He would go on to release six albums in total. In January of 2022, DJ K-Slay's brother said he was hospitalized after contracting COVID-19, but was in a recovery state. 
He would later die from COVID-19 in New York City on April 17, 2022, at the age of 55, leaving a legacy behind him as one of the most important mixtape DJs in the history of hip-hop. Mixtapes were a way for a kid like me in Utah in 2002, 2003, 2004 to hear upcoming music. Ordering mixtapes from websites like MixUnit and Mixtape Kings, I often would check for DJ Clue, who, if you had a song on a DJ Clue mixtape that was placed somewhere between tracks one and seven, it would more than likely be on radio at some point. I also would check for mixtapes from DJ K Slay. DJ Who Kid, who was closely affiliated with G-Unit. DJ Drama for all of his great Southern records that he would break on his Gangsta Grills mixtapes. But by far, my favorite mixtape DJ was DJ Green Lantern. Green Lantern took a little bit different approach than the other guys that I named to his mixtapes in remaking songs, creating new tracks from different samples. My favorite all-time mixtape is DJ Green Lantern's Five Star General which features this song, Good Versus Evil, with Reveron. I was so inspired by these guys that in 2004, after I graduated high school, I started making my own mixtapes that I would sell here in Salt Lake City featuring songs that weren't going to be played on the radio for quite a long time. I did try my hand at trying to do remixes like DJ Green Lantern, but it just never worked out quite like him. <laughs> uh, I was trying to break records to people that you know they would hear on the radio a month later. I would sell these mixtapes for $5 and people would buy them. It was kind of crazy. It was so much fun at the time. I would make mixtapes by myself or with my mixtape partners, Ruthless, a.k.a. Chacon, and DJ Shawnee Boy until about 2011. Then everything became digital and nobody really wanted to buy CDs anymore. So the mixtapes came less often and some can actually even be found on SoundCloud. Just look up DJ Will Wonder. I'll even put the, uh, the, po- uh, the link in the podcast description. So, outside of the digital streaming revolution, what stopped mixtapes? Sydney Madden from NPR wrote an excellent piece on DJ drama and mixtapes as a whole. She said, At their height, mixtapes were hip-hop's talking drum, bought and sold on the black market, dictated by streets and bankrolled by the industry. But the bigger they got, they became every bit as threatening to the major labels that own the masters in the music business. January 16, 2007 is a day that should be known as the day the mixtapes died. DJ Drama and Don Cannon were in the studio working on their album, Gangsta Grills, the album. This would be DJ Drama's major label debut after making thousands, I felt like thousands, hundreds of Gangsta Grills mixtapes. Drama had stepped outside to move his car when he realized they weren't alone. He said, I walked out the door and then... It was just like SWAT, helicopters, here comes an SUV, SUVs from all corners. Officers pulled up and jumped out with M16s pointed. 
They called him by his government name, Tyree Simmons, and told him to get on the ground. They took his ID. Drama said that he heard the officers get on their radio saying, we have the perps. So he started wondering, uh, they must be some kind of mistake. Then all hell broke loose. Police stormed the offices, waving guns, telling everyone to get face down on the ground. It was a full-blown raid. Drama says they were looking through the building for guns and drugs, which they did not find. What they did find, however, was thousands of mixtape CDs, which they confiscated along with studio equipment, computers, four cars, bank statements, and even hard drives containing songs recorded for the new album DJ Drama and Don Cannon were working on. They told Drama he was being arrested for bootlegging and racketeering under RICO laws, the kind of serious conspiracy charges used to take down dangerous crime outfits like the mob or Young Thug. I don't mean to laugh at that, but that's what they have him on as well. Uh, Police rounded up everybody, and Drama and Cannon were booked into Fulton County Jail. After a $100,000 bail was posted, Drama found out that the arrest was made in conjunction with the RIAA, which is the Recording Industry Association of America. That's the same trade organization whose seals would appear on the gold and platinum plaques hanging in his offices. And like I said, Drama had never put out an album. He was working on his debut album. He got those plaques because he would work with artists, put their songs on his mixtapes, and their albums would then go platinum or gold. DJ Drama said it felt deeper than a personal betrayal. It was a betrayal of hip-hop. And it was. The same companies who, again, made so much money off of these artists, and in some instances because they were on these mixtapes that Drama was putting out, were now suing the same DJ that the music was given to. Drama and Cannon were charged with a Georgia state law that made it illegal to sell CDs without putting your name and address on them. Uh, Essentially, it was a way for the state to enforce federal copyright law, and they added RICO charges because they were mass distributing the CDs. The charges were, quote-unquote, dead docketed, meaning that drama and canon wouldn't be prosecuted, but the charges could be reinstated at any time. From that point on, mixtapes were simply not the same. Yes, I still made them from time to time, but it was much less often. So what happened to the mixtape, DJ? Mixtapes still exist kind of today by name, I guess. They're very different. They're not nearly in the same spirit as that 1999 to 2005, six range. Now they're much more, I guess you would say, cliche and not a real mixtape by any means. As of 2016, quote-unquote mixtapes can even go gold and win Grammys, which is crazy. Uh, But again, not the same thing. In the age of music streaming giants like Spotify, Apple Music, SoundCloud, and so many more, making a mixtape is pretty much obsolete at this point. Uh, Because the point of them was trying to break new songs. Today, rappers will drop music whenever they want, and playlist curators will dictate the exposure. They're now playing the role of like a keyboard punching thumb moving, because most of them do it on their phone, Um, pinch hitter for DJs just by pushing that button. But the main ingredient itself, the mixtape DJ, is what's missing. Rest in peace to DJ K-Slay. Shout out to all the mixtape DJs that were doing it for so long. Shout out to the guys here in Salt Lake City on the mixtape scene that were doing it. DJ Juggy, DJ Handsome Hands, and myself.
Thank you so much for listening this week. We'll be back next week to honor hip hop, but stay tuned because we still have a great interview with my guy, Gabino Grimes. You're sitting at work, doing nothing, letting your life pass by. You keep procrastinating over and over. Maybe I'll check it out today. Maybe I'll check it out tomorrow. Don't wait. Do it now. Check out the Unrestricted Podcast with me, Dre Rocker. I'll keep you laughing before work, after work. Hell, I'll even keep you laughing during sex. Go tune in now. I'm here to help you. You spend all day on the phone anyhow. Why don't you subscribe to a podcast that's going to help you in your future? All you got to do is pick up your phone, hit follow, Unrestricted Podcast with me, Dre Rocker. It's that simple. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Will Wonder Pod interviews. I have a very good friend of mine today, um, MC, battle rapper, put out uh, one of my favorite, I don't even want to say local albums, one of my favorite albums in 2020. Yes, the pandemic. (laughs) Uh, Recently put out a new EP. He brought back his battle platform, Mike Masters. But if we're going to be honest here, he has or is going to be releasing his biggest project yet. Uh, And this is with um, his girlfriend. So we'll get to that as well. But the biggest project of his life to this date, Mike, my friend, Nate Synchro Gabino Grimes. What's up, bro? What's up, man? How are you, dude? <laughs> what a good uh, intro, man. I was waiting to hear entrepreneur somewhere, but that doesn't oh, matter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That doesn't matter, dude. Left that part out. That doesn't matter, dude. <laughs> entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's funny. That word was such a shitty word to try to spell as a kid. Oh, the like worst. In, like fifth grade, sixth grade, because that was like the word that you hoped you didn't get in spelling bees. You're <laughs> yeah. like entrepreneur. Oh, God. Dude. All right. Uh, oh, and no. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Sorry, dumbass. Get off the stage. Yeah. I'll go to lunch. Yeah. Um, forgot podcaster as well. Like, there's just too much of what you do for me to mention at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> I Dude. I do a lot, and my uh, girlfriend hates it. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. Make, okay. Um, I want to do this. Before we get into you. Um, Pause. And I was waiting for it. Before we get into your story, rather. Sure. Um, every week on the Wheel Wonder Pod, we celebrate hip-hop, right? Hip-hop is turning 50 years old August 11th. So, if you could... Sedgwick Avenue? Yep. If you could, give me an idea. What does hip-hop mean to you? What does hip-hop mean to me? Freedom. It means... It means next-level creativity. I feel very open and honest in hip-hop. And I know that other genres have that same... That same trajectory. I, uh, what does hip-hop mean to me? Hip-hop means community man um hip-hop means self-expression hip-hop means cool (laughs) um hip-hop means progression and hip-hop means everything i love that yeah yeah um obviously hip-hop has played an enormous role in your life Mm -hmm. like that would be understating to say it's not an enormous role. Right? Yeah. So let's start from the jump, man. Um, you're the old, or no, no, no. Brothers and sisters, you have one older sister, correct? You got two, it. A younger brother and a younger sister. Mm-hmm. Um, 
were you born? I know because we both, you know, in a sense, represent Magna. But is that where you're born, Magna, Utah, or where? Where are you? West born? Valley. West Valley. Yep. Okay. I was born in West Valley. Okay. Um, <clears throat> growing up, how did you find hip hop? Like, because kids generally they have an older brother. There's kids at school that put them onto it. Yeah. For me, it was through my sister and that and my cousin uh, Shalong. Um, he, they both were listening. They listened to hip hop like all the fucking time, and um, being a tiny kid, uh, one of my most vivid memories when I was six years old, um, and listening to like Ice Cube, mm. uh, ninety one. This would be ninety one. Uh, NWA, um, and then. I, I just, I didn't really understand, like, really know what the fuck it was, really, you know? Like, because my dad played, like, the Beatles, Santana, my mom loved mm. Elvis, and Fleetwood Mac. Um, so th- that that's, like, the playlist that would be during Saturday cleanup sessions. Yeah. Um, generally, and then in my sister's room would be bumping fucking a whole other, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so I was just like, that's, it just sounded different. and um there was uh, that's when it was I, I would say that it, like what my introduction was was to yeah. my sister yeah so you go from like lucy in the sky with diamonds to no vaseline yeah that was <laughs> and which seemed more seamless than you <laughs> than just saying yeah it, it yeah. was way easy yeah. <laughs> yeah you know what's funny too is uh when when did regulators come out? Was that eight, 93? Uh, 90, I think it was 93, yes. Okay. Well, when that song came out, I had some Cobra trucker um, walkie-talkies wow. that my dad got, uh, that my dad had, and mm-hmm. he would let us play with them. And they had fucking pretty good range, pretty good range. And so my... Um, this might be actually like the first time that I like rapped or something, but, uh, uh we had a, a neighbor kid, uh, God, for fuck's sakes, I don't even remember his first name. <laughs> um, but he was a foster kid and that doesn't mean shit, but, um, I was going to say, yeah, uh, <laughs> by the um, way, he was a foster kid and he was a foster fucking, um, <laughs> No, and uh, we would play at, at night. We would play this. We would play uh, regulators, and I would rap it. Mm. Yeah, and we would like walkie-talkie rap it. Okay. To each other. So like he would, I would say, "Hey, play the beat," and then so I would hear it through the walkie-talkie speaker because he would play it at his house. Okay. And then I would rap it. Like it was uh, just really fun, man. I just remember doing that so much. Yeah. Would you sing the Nate Dog part? Would you be like, Got a car full of girls and it's going real sweet. No, I no. mean not, not 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 good. Yeah, no, I was more so doing the the Warren G. Yeah, the okay. Warren G. Okay, all right, no, that's fine. Um, <laughs> so outside of you know, we're gonna talk a lot about hip hop. There's gonna be a ton of hip hop talk in this. But as a kid, man, what did you like to do? Like play sports? Were you into video games? What was childhood like for you? Yeah, what was childhood like? Childhood was very into, uh, I was outside a lot. Uh, and so kickball, basketball, uh, street hockey, um, football, uh, you know, playing football on my, my dad's lawn and my dad and like breaking fucking sprinklers. 
<laughs> that was all the time, dude. Yeah. Like, it was all the time. And he would, um, I, you know, now that I'm older, I'm like, damn, dude, you fuck shit up. You know, yeah. like, that, like it, the, I would be like, I don't know. Like, just fix it, you know? And um, Dad, dad, broke. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then we would play with, like, figurines. Like, X-Men was huge. I would yeah. wake up in the morning. Saturday mornings was dope. Um, X-Men was my jam. Um, so Saturday morning cartoons. Um, I also like would go to the library a lot. I loved, I still love reading Mm -hmm. and I would go to the library a lot, get lost over there for like three hours. The internet was cool. Like around 95, I was like 10, 11, uh, 95, 96. And I would uh, go to the Magna library and um, print off of NBA.com uh, pictures in black and white. Yeah. And cut them and put them all over my wall, like oh, Anthony Hardaway dope. and Nick Anderson and Donald Royal, Scott yeah. Scott, like the whole team, you know? Yeah. And uh, so, I, but I loved being at the library. Like it was so, so fun. Like I would just read books all the time. Um, another big part of my childhood was riding bikes. Um, mm. we didn't have a lot really going on, like in Magna, I guess. Like, uh, well, in my neighborhood, we would wrestle. Actually, fuck that. We um, <laughs> like uh, rest in peace, Jeff Archerbeck. We uh, oh, yeah. would, we would wrestle on his on his um trampoline, uh, and we uh, used when WWF at the time finally came out with CDs of intro music. Oh yeah, dude, it was on at that point, bro. We fucking <laughs> would have intro music. My favorite was uh, Bret oh. Hart. Oh yeah, he was, and he's still my favorite. Um, just so much my favorite than '97 when the Montreal the screw job, job yeah, happened. But uh, yeah, when the, I cried, I was 12. <laughs> I didn't. I, I was. I was so pissed off because my brother loved Shawn Michaels, <laughs> and he fucking loved him. And I was like, dude, this is such bullshit. <laughs> Um, so wrestling was huge actually for me growing up. Okay. Like it was way big for me growing up. Even after my mom told us that it was fake, which was such a big moment for us. Wow. Yeah. Cause she was, yeah. I mean, she thought, I, I don't know. She, she thought she, you knew probably. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, we were watching million dollar man, Ted DiBiase against, I don't remember who it was, but he like hit him, hit, uh, someone with his briefcase mm-hmm. and he started bleeding. And she was like, kid, you guys know that like, this isn't real. Right. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Ma! <man>? Yeah. Ma! <laughs> uh, but yeah, so wrestling, a lot of sports outside, often biking, uh, um, that stuff, that type of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That type Normal of stuff. 90s kids stuff. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, real quick on the Montreal screw job, because I am a huge wrestling fan. As people mm-hmm. who watch this know, we won't spend too much time on wrestling because I get feedback that some people don't love it. Okay. But I do. Um, I, you, you think it? You think it's real? The screw, screw job was a real thing, or you think it's the best work in the history of wrestling? I think it was real. Okay. Yeah, I think it was We can real. have a whole other wrestling episode. Okay. To me, I, th- I, th- I think it's the biggest work ever, and Brett the, and will they, take it to the grave. And they ha- and and you think that all these documentaries, like, they're just like, mm-hmm. oh, dude, we just pull content. Isn't it just this? convenient that they were filming uh, Walking Walking with Shadows or whatever the Bret Hart documentary was when that happened? Isn't that convenient? Uh, I have not thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that fucking convenient, dude? 
You know what? We'll have that fucking podcast right now. No, I'm yeah, just joking. Yeah. Um, We're not even going to talk about his life. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. No, that is, that's interesting. I don't, okay. I, but I, I mean, think we, that, we can save that for another time. Okay. I just want to put All that right. out there because that's. Brad Hart was my favorite though, for okay. sure. Yeah, yeah. The sharpshooter, that was. <laughs> cold but, move. Cold yeah. move. Yeah. Um, let's, let's, uh, fast forward a bit to like high school times, right? You don't go to school, uh, in Magna, you don't go to Cypress high school. You end up going to uh, a Catholic school, Judge Memorial. Was that your choice? Was that your, your parents? Why, why go to that school? Uh, not just, you know, the school that you would go to living in Magna high or in Magna, Utah. Mm -hmm. Great question. Whose choice? It was my choice from a young kid. I grew up a, a group Catholic. Um, went to Jesus, excuse me. Um, went to. I'm all, <laughs> sorry about that. I fucking. Um, I went to Our Lady of Lords Catholic Church. Grew up in the church as mm -hmm. an altar boy and uh, Eucharistic uh, minister, uh, lector, and very embedded within the church in that community. And going to judge was like the first part of just going to Notre Dame next, you know? So like that was really big for me. And when I understood when mid teens, I don't know, like, well, like 13 or something like that, because like it start, yeah, it starts in ninth grade. So I was like 14, right? Something. No, 16, 15. Anyway. Um, when I, found out more how much it was going to cost through my dad. I mean, he didn't tell me the whole story, you know, but like we ended up talking to my, uh, the priest there and I was the first person to get a scholarship to, oh, okay. yeah. So they gave me a, they paid for a lot of it. My church nice. did. Yeah. And all four years, uh, my dad wow. paid a portion, but I am indebted for sure for, to them for that. So it was my choice. It was my choice, and it was it was uh, the right choice. I think I had. Uh, uh, I mean, I'm not going to miss words about it. Just a more advanced process when it came to just a scholastic piece of what that means, you sure. know, during that time frame. And I was very grateful for having the opportunity to do that. There was like a piece at the beginning, though, like the first like three months of school that it was. Difficult to try to to make that move from public school to private school. I I liken it to like being in um, sports, uh, more notably like baseball. Like if you start, it's really like any sport, but like if you prefer to start small, mm -hmm. like in a parochial system, because all those kids generally stay in that parochial system. So yeah. when I got, I obviously had no friends, and this is this is probably tr this is definitely true. Like going from a public school to another public school where you don't know any friends. But, like, in a public school setting, I did that. I went from I went from one junior high to another, and it st I was able to still kick up friendships pretty quick. I'm, right. I'm pretty personable anyway, so, like, I've always been able to do that. And for some reason, man, it was just very – I felt – I was intimidated. I, okay. We were pulling up in our 19 this, – and this is zero disrespect to my dad's hard work – out like zero disrespect but like we were pulling up in our 95 ford escort and i thought at the time you know that was like our best car damn this actually like is deep to actually talk about um <clears throat> um we were pulling up in uh our 95 ford escort and like to see like escalades and shit and, yeah and like it was like damn dude like I've, you know, I feel like we made it, you know, but 
all these guys are, you know, like that, that idea of like money and shit, like it definitely, it can be very intimidating. Oh, you know? I'm sure. Yeah. And so feeling like I wasn't on their level when I totally was, you know, of course I was. And so that was, that was difficult to overcome. That was a hill for me to climb. And I would be very, I was very discouraged, you know, I was still getting good grades and shit and that was fine, but, um, I wasn't fine. I was trying to find my place. How did you overcome that? That that uh, Ian fear. Wolfley. I'll uh, mm. I'll shout him out. Shout out Ian. I was uh, at the corner table during lunch, back corner table, bro, sitting by myself. And damn, dude, this actually is wild. Um, and I was uh, just by myself, and it was sucked. Like, cause I'm I'm a very I'm a social butterfly, and um, I could just feel that flame, like, just like, God damn, just like on life support. Mm-hmm. And he came over, and he's like, hey, man, I know I know that you uh, don't know many people over here. My name's Ian. I was like, I, we're in English and, and drama. And I was like, yeah, no, I, I know you, man. How are you? And, and he was like, come over here and sit with us. And that from that moment on, like, I was able to let my character uh, out. Mm. And let it's like once I got the first laugh from someone, I was like, oh, okay, now, now I got you guys. Yeah, yeah, that's we, nice. We're gonna be able to be friends, and like that was a really big moment. I remember going home that day and feeling liberated, and like, okay, cool. Now I'm like in school, you know. Yeah, and that that trans that that went to like, I mean, my senior year. I mean, dude, so many things, but. From being the kid in the corner to being the kid that's like bringing a boombox when you're not supposed to <laughs> and shit, you know, like just completely showing my character, yeah. you know. So yeah, big shout out to Ian, man. He knows that too. And he probably he probably doesn't remember right now, but yeah. So you you graduate from Judge. Mm-hmm. What's after that? Can I we go back to the Judge really quick? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. So the reason why Judge was such a big deal outside of. In addition to why it was a big deal, outside of the scholarship and the difference that my dad or like the adjustments that my dad was going to have to make because, you know, I'm going to school in Salt Lake as opposed to fucking down the street, you know, Um, and for myself even because I'd have to get up early and shit. Um, I almost didn't get in. So, well, I didn't know that I was going to get in. So I took the entry exam in the summer going into ninth grade year. So eighth to ninth grade year took it, and we didn't hear back. Mm-hmm. And so I started my ninth grade year at Brockbank. Mm. Yeah, so first day of my ninth grade year, I started at Brockbank in 99. And um, at lunch... And I was cool with it. I was like, yeah. But I also wasn't cool with it. I was like, fuck. I mean, just because of, like that didn't happen, you know? Right. It wasn't because of Brockbank. I was there with all my homies. So yeah. it was all good. Totally fine. Totally fine. Um, but I, I did. I was like, God, man, that sucks, you know? Because like, it was right there. And I know I didn't fail, you know? I right. feel like I didn't fail. Shit. And uh, my dad, so... Lunchtime came around and my I got there was a call over the intercom and called for me to come to the office and I was like the fuck dude like 
I didn't even do anything yet. Did they see me kick over those trash cans? Yeah, dude. Well, the last time that I was at Brock Brock Bank was my seventh grade year, and where I averaged a two point oh, dog. This is after going having straight A's in fucking elementary school, dude. Like two point because I fucking that's when I first started drinking in seventh grade, smoking. Yeah, dude, it was so bad. It was yeah, dude, little twelve, thirteen year old. It was so fucking wild. A little badass. Yeah, no, I wasn't. That was uh, it was. no, I mean like a badass kid. Not, like, not, not like, oh, you're a badass. <laughs> you you were a shitty kid. Yeah. <laughs> um anyway, so yeah, so the last time that my memory was there was like ditching class and going to smoke weed or like, you know, just leaving for half the day and just fucking being on. So anyway, I get the call and um I go into the I go into the office and my dad's like sobbing. And mm. um and I was Jesus. like, I was like, what's going on? Yeah. And um, all he said was, we made it. And um, like everyone in there was crying, and I just started crying. Like it wow. even still makes me feel. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it was a very powerful moment because I was like, what do you mean we made it? Yeah. I'm even cracking up just thinking about it. <laughs> but um, you know, what do you mean we made it? He's like, you made it into judge, and and then the next day is when I started a judge. Mm. So it was a big accomplishment for him. So I'd like to know how proud he was. Yes. Yeah. Part of that too. That's awesome. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah. No, I mean, it's a, it, it is. I mean, cause like you said, not everyone gets in there, especially if you don't have the, the funds to go to that school. Right. Yep. Um, so you get your education there. You graduate. I'm assuming with better than a 2.0 average. Yeah, dude, for <laughs> sure. I think it was like a 3.4. There you go. Yeah. Okay. That's good. That's good. Um, what happens after? Cause you know, you said, the first step to going to Notre Dame, or one of the steps is going to judge. Mm-hmm. So what, what happens after you graduate? Well, leading up to graduation, I was applying at uh, colleges mm-hmm. and applied at the U. Um, I actually applied at the University of Miami um, just because. Yeah. Um, uh, but the goal was to go to the Air Force Academy. Okay. So that was like where I put all of my energy. Like, I, like letter from the like the from Orrin Hatch was it? Yeah. Like I was, I did, I did everything I was supposed to, but like I didn't get in. Like my ACT score, I don't even remember what it was. But okay. It, it wasn't enough. Um, what was if I can, if you don't mind me asking, what what was the? Why did you want to go into the Air Force Academy? What to be a pi- pilot. I wanted like oh, that, okay. or just to be in the Air Force as an officer. Like Got that it. was like the big thing that I really wanted to do. I, I, absolutely wanted to do that. Yeah, and um, and honestly, I thought that maybe I would have some cracks at um, even just getting on the practice squad for their football team because mm, okay. I was playing football pretty hard at that time. Um, what positions you play? Running back, strong safety, and corner. Mm, okay. Yeah, and wide receiver. But it was, uh, like, I was smaller or shorter, so yeah, I yeah. played running back more often. Okay. Excuse me. I pl- actually played wide receiver more often, but, like, I found a niche uh, playing – I found a place playing um, running back my senior year. Mm. Anyway, so I didn't get in there, and I was like, I still want to go into the military. And this is because of 9-11, man. I, uh, wow. I remember being at – in the so really quick before I go to this story about nine eleven, I en- I went to the Air Force, mm-hmm. so I enlisted. But that was because of like nine eleven. I was in, um, 
I was uh, in the library of at Judge, and I remember looking over. I was on the uh, on the internet, and I looked over, and there were like three people in um, the office, uh, like surrounded ar- uh, around the TV that was still on that. Um, you know where when they would fucking cart around TVs on top. Oh know? yeah, yeah, for yeah. Sure. yeah, yeah. I don't even know. If and it was dude. like roped, like, strapped had the, on. Yeah, I had yeah. the strap, dude. Yeah. 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 Uh, anyway, and that was just a big deal, like because there were so many at that school at Judge. There's a, very diverse, mm-hmm. so there are a lot of families that have family members all over the place. You right. Know? Um, it's not like a secular culture for um, Judge Memorial, like. It's not just like downtown Salt Lake City kids. It's like fucking sure. kids from all over. All over. Yeah. Anyway, so that so nine eleven really affected what my, that decision was to get to the to the military. Got it. So what you, your step going into the military? What I almost didn't even get in. Why? Because I <laughs> because because, uh, because I um I had sticky fingers. Mm. that's why dude because i had (laughs) sticky fucking fingers dude so back to jeff (laughs) he uh he worked at um kmart Mm -hmm. on 56 i remember damn dude we would he would work the self-checkouts when they were new (laughs) bro we were oh no popping out all sorts of shit and um i had stolen a pair of headphones that i didn't need Mm-hmm. And they caught me on the bubble mirror. Oh. Yeah, like in the corner. And uh, <laughs> dude, it's for real. Like I'm like two weeks away from going in. <laughs> I'm like two weeks away from going in, dude. And um, oh my uh, yeah. And uh, my text up. My uh, I had to tell my recruiter um, about it, and he's like, "Don't worry about it. We'll fucking we'll get it worked out." And I don't. I honestly don't know what he did or what happened or if they just didn't report it. But I, I was confident that I was not gonna go. Like Jeez. they were just gonna tell me, like at Meps uh, Military Entry Process Station, that. Um, but he was like, "You're good. You're good. You're good. You're good." And then um, I smoked weed. <laughs> <laughs> You're a badass, huh? Dude, I was all <laughs> over the place, man. Um, didn't end from fucking seventh grade. Dude, no, it didn't. I smoked weed. I, was it a week before or something? Okay. And so I knew that they were going to piss test us, and I was, like, freaking out. And I, and I had such long hair at that time. So I was like, are they going to fucking do a, a a hair test too, dude? Because I am fucked. I got too much hair on top of my head right now. Anyway, I, so we took the piss test on like this third day inside of, oh my god, in uh, in the yeah in basic training and uh, you know the grace of God. Wow, I didn't test posy. Huh? Yeah, I didn't test posy. Yeah, it's okay. probably all the stress. Yeah, probably got it. I and also I was Drank drinking a ton, a ton of water. Yeah, all right. Just in those three days alone, just the first days of fucking basic, that was a nightmare. So you, this was an Air Force, correct? This was or the Air Force. Yeah. It was the Air Force. Yeah. Okay, so where, so you go to basic training. Where are you for that? Or I know there's a lot of like San Antonio. San Antonio. Yep. Yeah, okay. Lackland. My dad was there as well, and a good friend of mine uh, was in basic down there after that. So after basic training, actually, let me ask this. Sure. So you, as a, um, you know, a kid that in a sense did a lot of what he wanted to do, right? Trying to steal shit from Kmart. Yeah. Smoke. 
You know what I mean? Just being a, a, a rambunctious uh, you, right? Dude, I had so much going on. What was it like to go into the Air Force? Because it's like things change. The shit. <laughs> it was dope as fuck, man. Okay. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah, it was I the shit. I thought you said the shits. No, no. It was the shit. It was sick as hell. I, I, I appreciated all the structure. It reminded me of like... Before my mom and dad got divorced, like the, okay. the structure that my dad had, um, it. it was sick. It, it sucked for like the first week because you're, I was feeling out the method of teaching that drill instructors do with berating, mm. you know, and belittling. And so that was. That sucked at first. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I, to be, to have your ego like completely stripped, you know? Um, By the way, I hope, hopefully you can't hear the uh, people in the next room. I don't, there, there's a, there's a lot Bre going on. Bret Hart may be over there. Yeah. Right there's now, a lot. I, I, I heard someone get slapped. Yeah. That's what it sounded like. Anyways. Um, so, so yeah. So, <laughs> after, so when I actually started feeling comfortable there was, um, I was doing, I was doing child runner duties. And what that meant was I would go, uh, I had the obligate or the, the duty to the job to bring my whole flight down to eat. Mm. And so I would be the first down and which always meant that I would be there watching everyone eat for like an hour before they were like, okay, it's your flight's turn. So you, it was oh, like shit. a matter of like getting the, like racing okay. and like beating other people. So there were other child runners for other flights and cause they couldn't like let everyone in at the same time. Anyway, um, there was, and that was for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So in the morning, wow. like watching people eat breakfast and being like, damn dude, I am so hungry. <laughs> <laughs> and then lunch being like, damn dude, I am more hungry. <laughs> And then dinner being like, I am tired and hungry. Yeah. Um, there was one after dinner one night, um, and this had to be like like a little under two weeks in, roughly-ish, and I was so tired, man. I was so tired. I just ate and came out of the chow hall, and I forgot to put my cover on. Um, it covers your hat. So whenever mm. you're outside, you have your hat on. I forgot to put it on. I was so tired. And this tech sergeant sees me from, I don't know, it felt like a mile away, you know? Like, they're, they're all around. It's like, it's so, it, mission impossible lasers, you know? It's like you can't fucking miss them. You can't dodge them, you know? Um, and he beelines towards me, and I see him, and, you know, uh, everything shrinks up, you know? And I'm just like, dude, this, just right now, please, God, you know? Yeah. And he starts laying in, and I, I, it was like a disconnecting moment for me because I was like, oh, shit. Like, oh, it is just a hat, mm -hmm. you know? And I, you know, I was like, <laughs> I, I am fine. Yeah. Like, this is fine. Okay, I cracked the code. All right. Not, wow. Uh, yeah. So, like, in that moment, for real, like, the whole experience changed into, oh, I just won't get yelled at. Like, I'll just do the thing, and then also if I do get yelled at, it doesn't matter. Like, there's an underlying message, you know? Got it. Yeah. And so from then on, it, the, I, tur I turned into 
I mean, the child runner is a pretty big deal, but then I went and became the guide on, so I held the flag. I became, um, like, right in front of the whole pack, uh, of our flight, rather, and it just transcend like, my whole confidence and comfortability almost felt like that same time that I was talking about, like, a judge, when I was like, oh, I found my place, mm-hmm. and now I can excel, you Got know, it. and maximize what my talents are. But it was so funny. It was so funny in my head. He's, like, yelling at me, and I was just like, dude, it is a hat, though, right? <laughs> it is just a hat. Like you're, yeah, okay. I get it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I just took it out. I was like, yes, sir. Yeah. Looking, I'm tired. Yeah. So I'm going to go make my bed and then unmake it to lay down. Dude. Um, after basic, where are you stationed? Um, in Wichita Falls, Texas. Oh, okay. At Shepherd Air Force Base. Were you there your whole time? No, I was there for uh, nine months. Okay. Um, Tech school, yeah. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah. From there, where do you go? To Little Rock, Arkansas. Okay. What is it like seeing seeing these other places outside of Utah, especially, I mean, Arkansas, you go into the south, it's different. Maybe not so much on the base. Did you have time away from the base while you were there, or did you mostly stay to the base? <laughs> Dude, you know I did, bro. <laughs> That's why, yeah, that's a very leading question. Yeah, that, you know I did. Um, we weren't supposed to, but I, <laughs> in, Shep, at, at Wichita, in uh, Wichita Falls, yeah, we oh. went out to, um, what was it, Grams is what it was called. It was Grams. It was, uh, yeah, I got, you know, my first day in tech school, dude, the universe was looking out for Jeez. your boys. Um, I was cleaning my bed. Uh, or just getting it put together because I just just literally walked in and I was like, okay, okay. cool. Let me get fucking familiarized, bro. Tell me, I found a fucking fake ID. Wow. Or no, an ID. Okay. It wasn't fake, and an ID of someone. Uh, it had to be the guy that was in there before, uh, Rigoberto Lemus, uh, from New Jersey. Oh, so it was in wow. New Jersey. I was like, dude, done. I I now I'm 22. Yeah. Yeah, and I was still 19. I was like, yeah, I'm 22 now, dude. And so I would use that uh, to get into Grams, even though they had it under 18 or what under kind of 21. establishment is Grams? It's a, it was a club. Just a club. Yeah, okay. yeah, just okay. a club. Okay, okay. It was definitely a club, though, like a lot of dancing and Got shit it. like that, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Never, you looked much like Rigoberto? Um, I mean, it, no, it wasn't that close. <laughs> It was kind of close. I don't know. Dude. You're like, I, he looked like Danny Trejo, but they never questioned. <laughs> dude, I, I, uh, I rocked that hard. Wow. I got caught at the Westerner. Okay. When yeah. I came back home, I got <laughs> caught at the Westerner with it. And they took it. And I was like, this is bullshit. <laughs> I am Rigoberto. Yeah, no, I had a talk in, uh, do you want that story? That is fucking wild. <laughs> we can come back to that story, yeah. but that is, yeah. Oh, okay. So, so I would go off base a lot. Also yeah. stay on base a lot. There was this guy that we met. Um, fuck, what's his name? He was um, Warren? No, it wasn't Warren. Um, my boy Josh Butterworth and I, uh, shout out my boy Josh. I just saw him a little under a year ago out in Rhode Island. Man, we hadn't seen each other in like. 15 plus years. Mm. So cool to see him, man. It was so dope. Um, anyway, we hooked up. Uh, we connected with this army. Hey, was he a ranger, dude? Um, but he was a vet, and he definitely was in the war um, in Afghanistan. And, I, and um, he, we would go over to his house, 
and we would get drunk with him and uh he would um tell us wild fucking stories about Iraq and like he mm. he um God damn it, dude. I swear to God, he showed us like a gun that still had blood on it and shit. Like, Jesus and he's Christ. like, yeah, dude, it's from this fucking. And I was like, damn, bro, you are wild. Bro. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So, anyway, so we would party with him. We almost got, I mean, fuck, dude, I got stories for days Jesus. with just hanging out with that guy, man. That, that was a wild time, dude. That was a wild time. And then, uh, but like on base, I was on base a lot more than I was off base okay. for sure. Yeah. For sure. And that was, like, super fun. Because then we moved from one barracks to another. Man, I got, dude, I got in trouble playing. Uh, Josh and I left school early and thought that they wouldn't notice on a Friday. And Jesus Christ. Dude, and, and at, the, at, the, at the end, on Fridays, they do a roll call. And so everyone's there. And uh, we were like, ah, dude, they're not even going to fucking notice. and. Um, we were in his room playing Tiger Woods 04, I think, <laughs> and killing it, bro. <laughs> and, dude, the door flies open. The door flies open, and the one of the master sergeants is like, and I'm still playing. You know how you had to pull the stick back? Yeah, 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 yeah. And if you went like this, uh-huh. if like you, uh, you could get more power. Yeah, yeah. And you tap, and I was doing that. When he pull, opened the door, I was like, oh, shit, still going, still tapping. And I still moved yeah, my, my sh- – for eagle. Dude, I still <laughs> I still swung. And uh, I was all looking over. I was like, oh, shit, you know. And oh we God. got in trouble. We got we, we were made uh, an example in the day room at the, at the front because you – after that – anyway, so that was – yeah, that's just another story. I have stories for days about that Jesus experience. Christ. How did you make it through? How did I make it through? <laughs> Dude, I don't know, man. By the skin of my teeth. Yeah, bro. yeah. Are, did you, so you served four years or did you go long? Two years. Two years. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, it was very structured for you in those two years, even though you found ways to do your thing, right? Coming home after two years, what was your plan? Um, it was a bittersweet time. I want, I... I got an early out. They were offering early outs, but also I did get in trouble. Like I did get in trouble for uh, stealing gas, dude. I was stealing gas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, dude. That was a wild time. Um, but they were offering early Hold outs. On. But stealing gas for what? Your car? My car. Yeah, I had a fucking two. I had a, a Mazda six two six. Okay. Yeah, dude. I don't know. Yeah, I was stealing gas, dude. And I, mean, I was ga- doing it gas all the time. And, oh, this is like oh three. Yeah. You could just dollar seventy a gallon at dude, most. Seventy four cents, maybe. Oh, okay. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I definitely had the money for it. I just wasn't doing. I just, just deviant yeah. ways. All right, go ahead. Um, that's just another story, dude, of how I got <laughs> caught. That was so funny. Um, and awful, but. Anyway, so but they were still offering early outs. They were offering early outs for like fifteen years. You can get out and get um, like half your retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, for me, I was they were like, yeah, you can get out and still have a, a general under honorable conditions. Okay, it'll be fine. And I was like, okay, okay, I'll take it. Rather, uh, I definitely wasn't going to get a dishonorable like at all. I mean, I wasn't even close to it, you uh-huh. know. But like, I was like, I'm done. I'm good. I'm out of here. Like, I feel like I. I'm just over it. And also my mom was like in bad shape 
So there was a lot of different things that really uh, led to you coming. Yeah, home. led to it coming home. And the plan was just to um, work at Hill mm. um, as an aircraft mechanic. Oh, okay. And because of that early out, it wasn't just happening at uh, uh, Little Rock. Um, it was happening everywhere. And so getting a job there was impossible for me mm. because of uh, um, seniority and yeah, just like yeah. experience. Like I had a year and a half experience working on planes as opposed to an eight-year senior airman or eight-year staff sergeant, get, you know, like it was, um, yeah, that it was sense. just difficult. So from there, uh, I was like, okay, well, I, I'm just going to switch my whole field up. And so I just – I went to the post office and worked there. Um, and that, you know, I don't know whoever's worked in the post office before, but that shit blows. <laughs> it, 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 it sucks. Like delivering mail or like no, keying just, mail? Or no, post, like a handler. Got it. Yeah, okay. and it was just was, uh, yeah, it was just a lot. But the plan, to go back to your question, like what was the plan? I didn't, I didn't really have one except for, I was like, I'm going to work at the, I'm going to work at Hill. And then didn't really have a plan B. Got it. Yeah. Well, you're like 20, 21 at the time? About How? 20. Yep. Turn, 20 turning old. 21. Okay. About to turn 21. Okay. Yeah. You're right. So you come home, you know. Rapping. I, yeah. That's what I wanted. Because you started rapping. Before. In the I Air left. Force? Yeah. Okay. So let, let's go to that because. I want to know how it started, and then we're going to kind of go through a timeline of different rap events, as you will. But how how did it all start? Like, what got you into rapping in the Air Force? I got into rapping from uh, an experience with listening to a fellow dorm mate's song on the radio on, like, a crunker junk. Oh, okay. And... My boy Aaron and I were watching uh, NBA playoffs, mm -hmm. watching the NBA playoffs. And um, I just remember it was a Houston Rockets against someone. But uh, he came in, he knocked on our door and let us know that he was going to be having a song played. And we were like, cool, we'll, you know, uh, we'll tap in. By this time, though, dude, like, I, I definitely did not think about um, rapping. Uh, I just was super big into like the culture uh, right. like just embedded embedded into the culture and uh outside of like beatboxing um i didn't ever write i didn't uh um freestyling wasn't a thing you know i had that didn't click yet so anyway so I was, uh, he, the song came on and almost didn't even listen to it, to be honest with you, because of the, the radio almost fucking went out. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Almost didn't even hear it. Anyway. The radio was stolen, by the way, just to throw that Just, to, just to make sure you guys, <laughs> it, it was a $600 radio. Dude. Of course it was. No. Um, dude, so much. Okay. Uh, so we're listening to the song and like, just right. Honestly, like 30 seconds in, I was just like, damn, dude, I could fucking, I could do this. Yeah. You know, I could do this. So the song finishes playing. We call in, do uh, our due diligence and say, crunk Jam that. It. Yeah, crunk, crunk it, that whatever. shit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because he was the homie, for sure. And, I, yeah. I, I, and also, like, I was dealing, I was very proud of him, you know, mm -hmm. like that was super sick because I know, you know. I didn't know he rapped. Yeah. You know, to be honest with you. 
Uh, this is Cat out of Cleveland. And um, so that was sick. And then, so that song ends. We call, and I was like, Aaron, let's fucking make a song tonight. Mm. And we were um, like, well, how's it? He's like, well, what are we going to do? And I was like, well, let's just Google it. And we so we... Went, uh, did we download it from LimeWire? Um, <laughs> yeah. Cool Letter Pro, okay. It was like Cool Letter Pro, like 2.1 or sure. something, like yeah. 1.9. It was like at the inception of Cool Letter Pro, and we got it. And then, uh, I was like, well, we need a beat, <laughs> and so we went back to LimeWire <laughs> and we downloaded uh, Fruity Loops FL Studio. Wow, so yeah. you went the step to make your own, yeah. Okay. We were, yeah, we made our own beat. Uh, he made it, and um, it was it was cool. It was just cool. We uh, I wrote I wrote my first uh, verse, and I don't remember it. I wish to God I still had that notebook. I'm sure I do in some um, box, but mm -hmm. uh, I wrote like a twenty, probably like a twenty eight. Or something. It was. Mm. It wasn't a sixteen. Yeah, you know, I had no idea. Well, yeah, yeah. I was just writing. I was like, "Is this where you stop?" And <laughs> uh, but I wrote a song with three verses and a hook, and um, I I re um, recorded it to a voicemail to like all to my sister, to Jeff, to my wow. cousin Steve, to my brother. I was like, "Dude, I am rapping now. I'm making songs, yeah. dude." And that's how it started. And then it just kept, we just kept snowballing. And then I left and came back, stayed at my sister's house in Kaysville and set up a little joint. I was recording on a, a gateway computer mic. Oh, yeah. And no foam, dude, in an unfinished basement. And it was the shit. It was so cool. I was yeah. making my own beats and those were fine. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, anything wild, but it was they were all mine, you know? And mm -hmm. I, I was, I was so much more focused on just the craft and like perfecting it. And so I, if, um, I brought up that I didn't think about rapping before that. Right. Okay. So what ended up happening is that switch for me turned on and I couldn't stop rapping in my head to the point of like, uh, I was, I was getting pissed off about it because <laughs> I, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep and shit. <laughs> Like, I would be, like, in line to order food, and I'd just be like, oh, Big Mac, it's a stack, and I just want to attack. And I, I, sir, yeah. sir. And, but it was all happening in my head, so right, it, right. it felt like my brain was going to explode, for real. And mm. that happened for, like, four months. It was a long time. Damn. And, um, yeah, that sucked. But then it, it – but <laughs> I'm being very candid about that because yeah. it did suck. Oh, like, sure. it, it turned on a – a whole different piece released like, Oh, I don't know. It just, it was a weird phenomena. And I, I, I'm sure that there's a term for it. And yeah. So I recorded that first song. And then, um, when I got out on my way home, I freestyled the whole way mm. because I was telling everyone that I was rapping. I was like, damn dude, I'm going to be able to freestyle, <laughs> Yeah, you know, because I growing up in high school at judge, I would beatbox at our parties and everyone else rapped, and I wanted to rap. Got it. And I would, I just, I never rapped. I mm. never rapped. I didn't even, I think maybe once, dude. And mm -hmm. it wasn't, you know, stopped, eh? You know, yeah. like, we're good. Um, just just, do the, just do the beat, bro. <laughs> just do that part, because that's what you do. <laughs> 
<laughs> do the part you do good, yeah. man. Because that was fucking. That was. Give me some more hi hats, bud. Yeah. Um, and d- stop doing the Rozelle thing. Yeah. You don't do the Rozelle thing, so don't try it. I don't want to hear if your girl only knew yeah. anymore. <laughs> um, uh, so anyway, so yeah, I freestyled the whole way home. Like, and it was like a 23-hour drive. I stopped in Cortez, Colorado for like 30 minutes. Mm. And anyway, so yeah, it was a big deal to me to – and this is a conversation that I had just recently with the UA, the duo, about like how freestyling – was still a badge of honor and like a, what I felt like was like a, a a necessary asset to your rap um toolbox toolbox yeah, yeah. there you go I was going to say arsenal but yeah toolbox yeah yeah, well, yeah anyway I, I think I I mean I agree with you yeah so that that was like that was nerve-wracking to go to the first party after telling everyone that I rapped because I sent it to my friend Carlos too so he knew that I had some songs mm. and I knew that he was gonna be like all right let's go ahead and freestyle you know mm. I was gonna be like fuck I'm the only one here that's actually made a song <laughs> and so but it went well it okay. went well yeah and it yeah we're gonna we're gonna fast forward a okay. little bit, right? Because right. we could. I mean, we really could talk forever. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about starting Mr. Benny. Yeah. Because as far as Utah hip hop goes, it is a, it's something that you, uh, not something, but a label, crew, what have you, that you have to talk about. You guys put on so many shows. We did a lot of stuff with you. But what made you want to start, number one, what made you want to start Mr. Benny? And number two, what is Mr. Benny? Yeah. I, I wanted to start it after talking to, God, his name was Benet. He went by Benet. Um, and it was when I was working at the post office. Okay. And he was... Um, uh, of African descent, and uh, I was like, "Well, what does your name mean?" Uh, we talked all the time, but the, there was a lunch that I was like, "Well, what does your name mean?" And he was like, "It means like uh, president, like king, mm. or whatever." And I was like, "Oh, bro, what the fuck?" And I had a a a burgeoning a um a, a little group starting. Okay, and that was with uh, Travis Presley and Rudy Van Dudekum. And I'm just dropping last names, bro. What the fuck? Um, <laughs> dude. That's fine. Um, there's probably hundreds of Rudy Vendetta. There are. <laughs> yeah, there's hundreds. <laughs> Thousands of. out there. Anyway, yeah. so we, uh, yeah, and I was looking for something to solidify what we were doing because I was want. I had a vision, a grandiose vision of expanding outside of us our group because i was already getting itchy f- to do my own music Got i it. was doing my own music and then travis was like hey man i i want to fucking i want to rap with you too and mm-hmm. honestly after hearing the first time i was like dog this is not gonna work mm-hmm. like i even though i did we still rapped yeah. together and i was uh, like consistently resistant to it i was like damn dude like i'm i'm like i'm not even i'm pretty good for this level, you know, for like like level ten out of a thousand, I'm pretty. I'm like 
reaching 11 pretty quick. <laughs> and you're and you're like at one right now. Wow, okay. Um, uh, no shots there. Yeah. But you you still ended up still doing music yeah, with we still ended up Rudy doing and, uh, and Travis. Throughout. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even uh, the past first, that. Our first name, yeah, with Rudy. I mean, we still Rebel music. Concept. Yeah, Shout Rebel Concept. Shout out Rebel Another Concept. Magna for real, alum. for real. Shout I used out to whoop concept. his ass in basketball, but that's neither here nor there. Did you Go, really? All oh, the time? Ask him, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> ask him. Tell it doesn't him. matter, whatever. <laughs> anyway, move on. What was your story? Um, the... Uh, yeah, we had a group. It was called the Supreme Dream Team. Wow. Yeah, dude. We called okay. ourselves the Supreme Dream Team. I was I didn't remember I don't remember that. Yeah, SDT. Uh Wowzers. For real. And so anyway, so he told me about that, uh, about Benny and that or Benet. And I was like, okay, cool. Well, that's what we're gonna name it. Mm. And so Mr. Benny turned into like Mr. President Records, and then it became an acronym for Mr. Be an Entrepreneur Yourself. Mm. And so that's how that started. Back to that word that's so hard to spell. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where I was able – that was the goal and the vision is, like, to incorporate folks that wanted to make music not just with us, but, like, I want to help you with your own stuff. So I built a studio, mm-hmm. multiple studios, and um, was uh, just a magnet for for – folks that wanted to create and it was like all the time all the time just creating all the time such a such a fun time yeah such a cool time um so that's how it started we were a part of that creation and you helped us uh myself and steady rock out with our album yeah i mean immensely um you're you're doing mr benny and I, you know, I make fun of you for this. I joke about this. You, your name changes, right? Yeah. So when you first start, you were Nate C, right? Yeah, dude. Nate C, and then you go to Synchronize, which is like more of an official like MC name, right? Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. What was the what was the name change reasoning between from Synchronize to Gabino Grimes? I wanted to use my regular name. Mm-hmm. I was. I was, uh, I just wanted to use my regular name, man. So my real name is Gabino Chacon III. I don't have a middle name. Um, Nate comes from my mom. She, um, again, I grew up Catholic. So when I was baptized, she baptized me in the name of St. Nathaniel and just like ran with it and mm. told everyone that my middle name was Nathaniel. And me included, right? to the degree that I had a fucking, uh, uh, identity crisis when I was going into the Air Force because I was I wrote down that I was my name was Gabino Nathaniel Chacon the third and they're like sir it's not Gabino Nathaniel Chacon the third you have no middle name I was like what are you talking about they're like look at your um, social security card and for dude since I can remember when I started looking at my social security card I was like ah they got it wrong and <laughs> social security administration yeah don't dude. know their head from their ass I was like I don't get it anyway. Um, so I, I wanted to incorporate my name, that, notwithstanding how I thought that, uh, that Synchronize was still fine. Like, mm-hmm. it was definitely, I mean, I still to this day, folks call me Synchro. Yeah. Because that's where I really, like, created a lot of my hip-hop uh, roots and friendships was right. as Synchronize, you know? And that's where a lot of my, a lot of time spent mm-hmm. uh, in the scene was as. And uh, so I just um was like what is like gabino what you know and yeah. i was like well what about like g rhymes mm. and i was like well 
because I wasn't going to end up using Gabino. I was like, well, G something. And G rhymes. That sounds fun. I was like, oh, wait, what if you put G in front of rhymes? Yeah. Gabino grimes. And it means Gabino G rhymes. Yeah. So it was Gabino grimes to me. And I started pumping that. And that's when uh, I was, it actually happened like almost mid uh, mixtape that I was making my first mixtape, Never Stop. And I was like, mm. man, this is like, this is going to be the, the breakout for Gabino Grimes. Yeah. You know? And that's why that, that's how that happened. The last track is like synchronized. Welcome Gabino Grimes to the scene. Mm -hmm. Um, that's how that happened. Okay. I, but it wasn't without some flack. Like I remember Pat Mayne being like, you don't need to change your name, bro. Like, and I was like, I know I don't need to, but it just feels like, a, it just feels like I'm shedding skin mm -hmm. type of shit, you know? Well, I mean, from a artistic perspective and and quality i think that when you changed your name the music the the quality of music you were putting out got better i don't know if there's any has anything to do with other other than maybe getting older and refining what you've done but that's that's one thing i noticed when you became gabino grimes mm. not the not the shit on synchronize by any means but it just you yeah. know just the natural evolution, I guess, of of continuing to do this and continuing to practice, putting out work. I mean, features I there, all of that. Yeah, there was a there was a different feeling that I had when I had my name name stamped on shit. Right. To be honest about that, that's interesting that you say that from a third party perspective mm -hmm. of being like, it sounded like your music just changed for the better. Yeah. Because it felt like it was. So it felt like I because I felt like I could just be myself and not just like. Stuck in this ego of synchronize, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. It's freeing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, again, we're going to fast forward a little bit. I mean, we could spend forever on Mr. Benny on synchronize times. I want to get to the point where you decide, num well, I guess two things. Battle rapping is a big part of who you are as an MC and as a person. So how did you get into that? And then from there, what made you want to start Mike Masters? Grind, so what made me get into battle rapping and how did that transition into Mike Masters? Mm -hmm. I got into battle rapping through Grind Time Now and watching their videos. But more importantly, I saw that they were going to be out in L.A. or something like that. And they were doing um, – I came across like a post uh, – through MySpace, and it was from Mad Ills, and I wanted so bad to be on Grind Time, so bad, mm. um, for visibility purposes, like marketing, you know, just like, oh, man, like, I can go up there and spit, and I still felt, uh, I felt like I was pretty good, you know, like mm -hmm. I was... I was freestyle battling all the time. I was uh, freestyling with Dog em Out, and um, that was fun. Um, it winning a lot, and it it was fun to do. Like I was, I I just was different yeah. than uh, a lot of other people, still am. And so that post came, and I like submitted something for them, and I just didn't. I, God, did I hear back? I swear, I probably can go through my Airtricone Yahoo email, maybe find something, but <laughs> um, it was uh, I would I didn't get on. Okay. And then through somehow, uh, I, how did I meet Absurd? Um, 
<sighs> he was running Assault and Battling, and that was out of Southern California at the time. And that league, he was also um, like a – oh, that's what happened. Okay, so Mad Ills – yeah, this is what happened. Mad Ills uh, told me to hit up Absurd. Okay. Yeah, and he was like uh, talk to Absurd to get on like the Proving Grounds type of thing. Mm. And uh, an Assault and Battling was going to be that. And so Ab was like, cool, well, I'll come out to Salt Lake and – um, you know, we can, we can have an event together or whatever. I was like, dope. So we had our first event together and then he was gone and it was good. It was fun. It was super, uh, it was different. Mm -hmm. Um, I was like tripping out that like we were able to have acapella battles because all I knew at that point was freestyle battles, right. which were still cool, you know, but I was like, but this is like where the trend is going, you know, mm -hmm. like, and if there's a little bit more to it uh, as far as, like, that creative control that you have rather than being in the box of a beat and – which is still fine. Anyway, so I know I could go on a fucking tangent <laughs> on that too. But so we do that event and then uh, they go and then um, I was like, damn, I want to do that again. You know, mm -hmm. and um, there wasn't just there wasn't really any intentions on bringing it back out. So I was like, "Fuck it, man! We're gonna make our own fucking league." Mm -hmm. And I, I made my own. Dude, you know me well enough. Like, if I got my head wrapped around something, oh like yeah, that, yeah. Um, and so I was like, "Let's do it." And I, my roommate at the time was uh, my roommate David. He, we were coming up with names, and. Uh, we came up with Mike Masters Alliance, and I was like, "Dude, it's fucking perfect." Which is a great name, and I'm surprised it wasn't taken. Yeah, because it's, it's like UtahRapper.com. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, Mike Masters Alliance, and then uh, for short, Mike Masters, mm -hmm. and he made a logo, which is still the same logo to this day. It's a perfect fucking stamp, and uh, he threw our first event from there, and it was. Like, so they no, so we threw two assault and battling events out here, mm. two, and then after the second one, I was like, let's just let's just do our, do own, our thing. own thing, yeah, because I I I set up the event, yeah, I know what what needs to happen, you know, mm -hmm. um, I mean to the degree Pat Maine, I forgot about this. We were talking to Pat on my podcast, and I forgot that I asked him to edit a video. Mm. from when we were battling at um, Five Monkeys. Uh, dude, it was all hands on deck. Everyone yeah. was helping out. It was sick. That's so that's how that happened in 2011 going into 2012. Okay. Mike Masters lasts how long after 2014. Two, December 13th, 2014 was our last event why did at Uprock. Why did you shut it down? Um, I mean, that's a pretty loaded question. So... Why did I shut down Mike Masters? I didn't shut down Mike Masters. What happened is I grew resentment. Um, um, actually, let me, let me make sure I say this correctly. There was a lot going on with, first off, with myself. Like I had a lot of different personal uh, battles that I was going through mm -hmm. and um, some personal situations that... Um, I thought I was that we're going to be resolved within maybe two months, three months, or whatever. Okay. So I'll, I'll definitely die on that hill for sure about that. And then um, 
uh, was running into the issue for like video editing and I, for as good as I am with being personable and all that, sometimes I have a hard time asking for help Mm. and it's not hard because so many people want to help, you know? Right. So like the video editing piece, um, I was like, damn, like that's, I mean, we're basically done because we were, uh, we were at a point where the videos were like, we're coming out, we're getting pretty good quality. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I just don't want to take a step back. Hindsight's 2020, just put out whatever, bro. Just yeah. fucking, I mean, not whatever, whatever, but, but yeah, it yeah. could have been, you could have held, it could have uh-huh. held up. Yeah, absolutely. And then, um, you know, there was a lot going on in the scene at that time. Hey, how Utah just started up and, um, it just felt very, uh, saturated. Okay. And, um, I was like, well, you know, uh, I didn't, admittedly, I didn't recognize the importance of what Mike Masters had built, Mm -hmm. which is, was a oversight on my part and is not the case at all now. I understand fully what it means. And so, but at the time that's, so those leading factors kind of went into it. When I say I didn't really shut it down is because I've had people in my ear since that event (laughs) about when's the next Mike Masters event. Yeah. You know, when's the next Mike Masters event? When's the next Mike Masters event? And um, I swear I was always like, uh, I'm, you know, I'm thinking about it. And then it turned into, I don't know. Yeah. Honestly, like it turned into that response. Like, I I don't even know, man. I, I don't know. Yeah. Like. I don't think it's going to, I'm just here to help, you know, I'm just here to support. And then I got onto CareCL, so I was able to find my niche there. Jesus, uh, I forgot stay, to add that to the intro. To stay, to stay into, to stay into the, the fabric, as it were, right. of the local hip-hop scene. Um, that kept me afloat, and piece to Keith on that uh, for the Friday Night Fallout show. But then, um, so yeah, it, that's, the it, in a truncated answer, that's yeah. that's how it kind of dissolved. Okay. But I never wanted it to dissolve, to, mm-hmm. to dissolve, because I knew what I f- I know I said that I didn't uh, that I didn't recognize like how important it was. There's there was a piece though for sure because I brought out you know we were bringing out Cadillac Ron Dirtbag Dan Press in Peace Caddy uh, Caustic mm-hmm. um, Aspect One. I mean. Disaster before he came out here recently, just our last event, he was supposed to come host the mm. championship um, battle. Wow. Um, so, it's like, I mean, we host, we fucking sponsored. I, I put up the money, a significant amount of it, uh, to, to sponsor, have our uh, logo on all the videos um, for the Vendetta event, which is the one that Disaster versus Cannabis is on. And so, oh. like, that video's got, like, millions of views, and right. my logo's right there. Jesus. Yeah. So I was, like, in battle rap, you yeah, know? Yeah. Like, and I'm very, very embedded in the culture, so. Um, we're going to come back to Mike Masters and bringing it back, but I want to touch on, excuse me, this album. Okay. And the process in in making this this, because I've, I mean, as everyone knows, I've talked about this. I had you on before, but Darby Hint, what was the month in 2020 when that came out? December. It was December? Okay, yeah. December 2020 comes out. And I, I've already told you how I f- feel about the album and how much I've liked. I, I really do enjoy it and still do. Um, 
But I want to know, because this is essentially your first album, mm-hmm. right? What Walk me through making that and I guess like how it came out so fucking good. <laughs> yeah. Did you know, did, like when you were making it, did you know it was going to be that way? I know that's a weird question. It is a weird question. Um, not in a bad way, though. Not, I, yeah. Um, because, you know, you talk to a lot of people that make music, and I feel like people make music just to make music. And they'll put out an album. Be like, here's the album. I feel like you put a lot of work into this. And, again, I talk, talk about DKM. I talked about it on your podcast, which might actually coincide when, when this one comes out. I'll have to figure that out. Sure. But, um... And how much I love that song, how much I love a number of songs on there. Juan Diego, for fuck's sakes, was a theme on this podcast for a year, or for a whole year almost, you know, for Roses, the Roses segment. So again, I say all that to ask, walk me through the process, and did you know what you were making when you were making it? How good it was going to be? Let's walk through the process together. I... I wanted to press, push myself to see if I could really make an album because after my mixtape, which I think is a great mixtape for Never Saw it, Volume 1, I posted it on, uh, it's on the stream, all the streaming platforms. So, like, just if you look up Gabino Grimes, it's 10 tracks, no hooks. I can hear myself saying it on the fucking thing. <laughs> uh, Mad Lib Beats. Yeah. Um, and it was a, it, I th- it was some of my best writing and I took so much time on that. Like me and battleship, like took so much time on that. I was like, I, can I do something like that again? You know, like some, and, but better. And it started, I believe like February of that year. I went out to go, um, record a video for Marciano Rocky mm. and which unintentionally like, spurred this whole thing actually hold on um maytag 2.0 which is produced but was originally produced by big low out of pensacola um that's a whole nother story dude i got stories for days man um he i i made i i i was getting into the groove of making music again. I was getting into the groove pretty well, get, making music again. A piece to Mike's skills, he was, uh, Fuego skills, he was uh, a big part of that too when I got back from Laramie, Wyoming to, to help with that. Piece to Carlos Rossi MC, he was recording in Laramie and I didn't even realize that I could record in Laramie, Wyoming. And so like that was wild. And <laughs> so like I was having this momentum all the way back from 2016, okay? And then... 2019, I made a, the decision after making Maytag 2.0. I was like, oh, shit, like, I'm going to make this a single, and I'm going to push the single as Maytag 2.0, and then that's going to give me an earshot of what, if anyone's listening, mm-hmm. you know? And it, was, it went over kind of okay. And so I was like, all right, let's uh, see about pushing my pen even further. And so... The, the process of making this, which was in this building at Maddie's uh, um, BTL Studios just down the stairs. Mm. Uh, yeah, we recorded in his studio a majority of this album. And um, as, as it was coming together, I felt very, very good about it. DKM blew me away. Like the fact that he was able to capture the hook so hard. Um, 
but I was blown away with writing it. The, like I was able to pour out so much and be able to have it be what it was and yeah. what it is. Uh, I mean, I cried when we did the, like when the video was done and uh, Jared, JC, uh, JC shot it on Instagram, eight JC shot it. He did it. He not a bang up job or knocked it out. Bang up job is a bad thing. Um, he knocked it out of the park. He did fucking incredible. And um, it was, that song was like dedicated to my mom. And I, mm -hmm. I recorded it at my, at her grave, a lot of it and some other scenes. But after making that song, in addition to Maytag 2.0 and Marciano Rocky, I was like, okay, I feel like there's some pretty good momentum. I remember when I was making Poetic Waltz and writing it downstairs in my old, uh, the old house I was at mm. um, in Midvale. And I was like, damn, like after every bar, like I was like, that's sick, that's sick, that's yeah. sick. And I was like, it was the first time that like I was writing, the whole experience was the first time that I was like vibing and and writing. Mm. Like like for real, like kind of dancing and shit and writing. And I was like, damn, this feels so good. Like it came, it came it, so easy. Yeah. Um, and not at the same time. There was some. There was a couple of songs that I didn't know what I was gonna do with, and um, I wanted it to. I wanted it to be like the best product that I could. And and with seventeen tracks, that's hard to do, man. Mm -hmm. It's hard to do with fucking five. The EP that I just dropped is solid, bro. It's solid. It's a piece of work. Boom, seven five tracks, and a lot of the feedback, like ninety percent of the feedback, is like. Even though it's only five tracks, it's solid. Like, it has an opening and a closing. Yeah. You know, it's not just, like, all five singles. So, to come back to this, like, I felt it. Yeah, when we were mixing it down and putting all the tracks together, we were like, bro, we just made a uh, – we made a – we made album. A, an album. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like a yeah. good album that can be played for a while. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I was proud of it. That was a big thing for me. That was a really big thing for me. Like, I – I told you this on the podcast that like when I told you that I was gonna be making an album, you were you were like, just make sure it's good, yeah, you know. And I know that to some degree it was tongue in cheek, uh, but I I know what you meant, mm -hmm. and that was a lot that was, that played in the back of my head a little bit for sure, like insecure wise even, yeah. just like damn dude, like. Is this gonna resonate? Like, like yeah. am I am I a good? Can I make music? Like, not even am I a good rapper, but like, can I make music and right. like be artistic and and tell stories? Yeah, because there's a difference. There's a lot of good rap, good or great rappers, battle rappers, all kinds of MCs that can't put out a good quality album because it's different. It's way different. Yeah, and the Darby Hunt piece, like. Um, it felt, I mean, it just felt right. Two Face, like he was mm -hmm. struggling with like wanting to save his city, and then at the same time, like the world's against me, and that just like it's. I still feel that way sometimes, yeah. you know, like because I want to save the city through all the through the um, uh, industrious things that I do with even with Mike Masters or like my podcast with like feature folks and shit like that. Like it's yeah. just uh, it's fun to bring the community around. But then at the same time, it's like I feel um, like it's just like me against the world all the time. You know. Yeah. Um, run this up if you haven't. Darby Hank, Gabino Grimes, every streaming platform there is. Um, 
we're going to leave that there because, I mean, I've talked about this on the podcast before, how much I love it, but I did want to touch on that in your process and making it if you knew what you were making. You talked about the podcast that you have, Short Story Bingo, which at one point, well, I will be a guest on upcoming soon, uh, but I was a guest on when you did the, when you read Short Story. So initially you had brought people on, you would read short stories or you would do it yourself um, solo. And now it's kind of transitioned a bit to what you call our stories. Um, tell me, I know how I feel about podcasting, but tell me what type of outlet podcasting has been for you. Um, the biggest outlet that has been for me is to be able to strengthen converse, my conversation, uh, conversing muscle. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I, th- I think that we, for myself particularly, like I already love learning so much and to be able to extrapolate new information from people um, and just learn their stories is super fun. But the biggest part is like really like, like leveling up conversations Mm -hmm. and being able to just um, understand what, how to talk to people, man. Like, yeah. like I've been in sales for so long and I've been pretty good at it. So like, sometimes I feel like it's almost like a class. It feels like sometimes mm-hmm. like to be like, I mean, I'm very, I'm very, I'm a big critic on myself. Like what rewatching the live stream, even for the last event, like I'm like, damn, you said fucking a lot. Like, <laughs> um, which is something that I'm going to definitely, you know, trim up. Right. And and it doesn't sound like bad, but to me, like looking at it, I'm like You just notice things like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I hear you. Um, so yeah, I think that that's like one of the biggest things for me. But also like I just enjoy uh it's another creative piece of who I am. Like um I have different facets just like anyone else, but I am comfortable with like expressing those facets and in order to do that, like you sometimes got to take a risk, man. And like some people are really good at being, um, being able to like converse and have, and hold down, uh, introspective conversations and they don't ever like pursue that, the whatever passion it is. And I just do it. And so it's, it, it feeds a different part of my brain outside of like rapping. Right. Cause I like to have very introspective conversations, like being high on the top of a mountain conversations. Mm-hmm. And also just like, why is it that you do what you do? Yeah. And just sit back and let the other person talk. Yeah. That's a lot of fun. I, I, I love doing this. Um, I loved coming on yours because we talked about things that even as friends, we hadn't really talked about right. very much, you know, because I'll, I'll be honest with people. A lot of time, mine and, uh, Nate's com- Gabino synchros conversations, are like comedy sketches uh, for 15 to 20 minutes and then real conversation for three minutes where we need to figure out, you know, the, the actual reason we called each other. <laughs> <laughs> One day we might put it out as just a comedy sketch. Dude. Um, it is right. You are, though. Yeah. But we do get to the point. Bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But short story bingo, so you can watch it on YouTube uh, or listen to it, you know, wherever you get podcasts. So make sure you do that. I'm going to have you shout out everything that you do at the end. Mm. So we'll get to that too. Um, Bringing back Mike Masters. So (laughs) what a huge event. So like you have the warm up, right? Which was, which was great. It was fun to watch. 
uh, all the all the battles that had come out. You have the warm up two, which I was lucky enough to be a judge for, and then just recently you had the warm up three, which was like, do you think? Do you think any everything? And not this is not discrediting anyone or or that was on cards in the past. Uh, any of the, you know, from 20, you said 2011, you started Mike Masters to 2014, not, no disrespect to anybody, but was this the, the warm up three, the biggest event that Mike Masters had put on? Without a doubt. It was, it was amazing. Like I, I was hoping you were going to say that cause I'm, if you were going to say no, uh, you know, September, 2012, I'd be like, fuck, I guess I got to go back and watch. Yeah, without a doubt. <laughs> um, great event. You even streamed it. For people like pay-per-view. My, yeah, yeah, excuse me, pay-per-view for people like myself that couldn't be there. Best 10 bucks I had spent. Um, a lot of great f- local MCs, a lot of great local battlers. And then you have, you know, the two main events that you had, which were just out of this world. Crazy. Um Beans and Rice, shout out to their podcast. Yeah, man. the good, the good uh, folks over at the Beans and Rice Pod hosted. They crushed it, bro. They did a great job. I loved the comedy that they threw in because that's them, right? They're they're shit talkers. They're funny guys. They're very smart, um, and they just maneuvered it so well. Like from throwing in little jokes to like, oh, okay, so here's the next battle. This is what so and so has done. This is what battle rap means. Host sounded, dude. They yeah. both sounded incredible. Host was the Ted Koppel. Dude. Of fucking battle rap hosting. It was sick. <laughs> it was sick. And I'm, I'm the Puerto I, Rican version. Yeah. Of it. yeah. Uh, but it, it, it was great. Um, <clears throat> I loved it. I know it's just going to continue to grow. I know, you know, and, and if you're not ready to talk about it, that's fine. There's going to be more events coming. I um, What I want to know, though. Looked at a venue before I got here. There you go. What I want to know, and what's most important to, to that I think people would want to know. Sure. After all of these years, bro. All of these years, what made you say, "Yep, it's time. It's time to to bring this back." When when you, it was never like, "Oh, I'm done with this," but it ended up kind of being that way, right? What made you say, "Yep, it's time to bring it back"? I uh, so when I realized that it was time to bring it back. So October of last year was our first event back. Um. I'll give credit to B. Franks, who was in my ear a lot. And also, he threw a battle that I went to, and mm. um, which was cool. And I was like, damn, dude. Like, I went back to me fucking sitting watching the playoff game. <laughs> and I was like, man, I, I know how these run. How am I going to get battlers out here, you know? And so that, the whole thing... Started going, and I was like, that started it a little bit. And that was like in February, I believe, of last year, roughly. Okay. Not really. Th- I was kind of, it was kind of bouncing around in my head. And um, June, Emerson Kennedy and his, and his staff from the production team from last, last uh, Second, Second C, C. Mm-hmm. they were doing an episode of Gray Area out here, and I was a, a extra on it. It was so incredible to see him. And um, first thing he says to me uh, after saying hi and, you know, exchanged a hug, he was like, what do you think or when are you bringing Mike Masters back? And 
rather than saying, are you bringing Mike? He said, when yeah. are you bringing Mike Masters back? And honestly, just like instantly like being put in the hot seat, you know? And I was mm-hmm. like, and he's like, I'll help you. Uh, I'll come out and I'll battle with you. And I, at this point, I obviously know where EK is at in the battle rap pantheon. Right. And what in that universe, what his, you know, the weight that his name holds. Um, anyway, so he said that and I was like, I'm going to hit you up and, um, we're going to, I'm going to take a serious look at this. And so we finished the scene and then I was driving home and I was like, damn, I didn't even talk about it out loud. I was just like, damn dude, like, I think I can do this. And then it turned into one post like, Hey, you know, who's interested? Fucking flood of people that were interested. I had no idea who was who. Mm. Um, outside of Glocko and Jay Villain. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard uh, Peace to Be Franks for sure because he got a, uh, he pushed a lot of the battlers our way um, initially and got a lot of um, uh, involvement. So big ups to B. Franks, for sure, 100%. And I appreciate the fact that he's still been involved. He was an official judge at the warm-up three, and he'll continue to and be two. involved. And two, excuse yeah. me, yep. He'll continue to be involved. He judged at the warm-up one, there the first go. one. Yeah, so he'll continue to be involved. Anyway, um, and then we uh, ran the warm-up one, and it was um, – it felt like – it felt like uh, – it was so fucking crazy, man, because, like, <laughs> Dumb Luck was uh, uh, hosting with me, and we both were just very excited for it to be happening. Like, it was weird. It was not weird. I have a – there's a better term for it, but it felt nostalgic, and mm. and it felt good, man. It felt like it was right, and it, I – my mind's right, and the motivation was there, and – it started off a little creaky uh, with, like, the first battle, like, hosting and shit, and then caught steam, and then uh, I still battled on that first card, too. Yeah. And that was just – I wanted to so bad. Um, and that was fun, and uh, I just remember having, like, the biggest smile on my face uh, after that. Like, so many people were like, dude, this was sick, and I was like, was it? You know, like <laughs> – Yeah. Because you never know. You're you know? unsure. Sure, yeah. yeah. Um. And that's been the feedback after each one so far. And so now it feels like it feels like sem like medium sized business. Like big yeah. like uh, it's definitely stamping some shit, you know? Do you feel pressure after how fucking ridiculously amazing the warm up three was to continue to deliver that type of uh, moment? <laughs> I don't know what else to call it because that's what it felt like. Sure. Uh, the easy answer is no. That's the easy okay. answer. Right. That's the easy answer. And the biggest reason why that's the easy answer is because you can't recreate that. Yeah. And that, that's um, the shooting star shit. That, um, do I think that something like that might be created again in the future? 100%. Okay. Absolutely. Do I, am I very confident in this next one? I'm pretty sure we have the name for it. I'm going to say it now. Um, I'm pretty sure I got the name for it. I got the approval from Jer. It's going to be May 13th. Um, pretty sure we got the venue locked in. I just saw it before we got here, but I think we're going to call it spring training. Mm. I think we're going to call it spring training. There you go. You like that? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I think we're going to call it spring training. 
and we'll have it just during this time. This will be so the beginning of the year, the end, like the beginning of the year will be the warm ups, and then we'll do spring training, and then um, we'll do the Mountain West Showdown uh, in July, and that's all Utah against everyone. And then um, we'll do the playoffs in starting September, roughly. Okay. And so the playoffs are going to fill fill it out. So that's yeah, that's what uh, what it's kind of looking like. Yeah. But the point that the fact that we're even there, like even thinking about that, incredible, dude. It's it's so sick. It's so sick. Yeah. And so I I would like to just like on that question of like the pressure, a, a little bit, I suppose, to some degree, maybe in my that i'm just like denying but i have no pressure man i i i think that that moment and uh excuse me that event is making this next event happen because there's going to be more people that are coming here and so like there's going to be more people that are coming here and now that what that event did is establish the fact that Battle Rap's biggest stars can come here for real. And yeah. it's opened up the door wide open, right. you know? And they try and with other battle rappers that are um mid to top tier telling other battle rappers that yeah, go to Salt Lake. They mm-hmm. they're going to take care of you. That alone, bro, is you know, that were uh, our business acumen going out to Going out in that fashion, man. Yeah, yeah. But I don't expect that fucking Marv One versus Disaster one week prep, bro. Incredible. What the fuck. That was that's inc- a whole story. Yeah, that was incredible. Watching it, I was, and again because that they even brought up. I got I had one week to write this. Yeah, but it. I mean, it was damn like, it was damn near flawless. And the way Disaster delivered and actually showing love to Marv, which you don't. You're, the, the the goal of battle rap is to tear down the person across from you. Yeah. Even if you're friends. You know, I remember asking EK that. Like, how do you... Because this is before I knew how tight he was with a lot of these guys. I was like, how do you go to this? And this guy's talking about, you know, shooting at your dad's funeral and shitting and fucking your mom and all, you know, all this crazy shit. How are you, how are you okay and not, like, trip out on him? Oh, well, it's, it's the game. It's like basketball. We're friends outside of this but for that time you're locked in you're not friends you know what i mean but the way that disaster showed love to marv man dude that was an iconic moment in hip-hop it was beautiful not just salt lake yeah it, that's just something that that it's huge yeah it was big dog like it wasn't just for like salt lake no. yeah it was big <laughs> but like there were people tuning in from all over yeah watching that on the pay-per-view yeah yeah it was all over twitter yeah it was, it was cool and it then, was cool. And then after that, for Emerson and oh my God. Source to deliver the way they did. And Emerson, you know. and He left he, Earth in the third round. He did. Left Earth. It was, it, that's what it felt like. It felt like watching. I didn't even know who it was. Someone like, a, you know, like, like Mike Tyson in his prime or like watching Jordan in the flu game. It just like didn't feel like I, like I know EK, but I don't, I felt like I didn't know. That was a, someone else. I don't even know how to explain. Yeah, it. but it was beautiful. No, he did incredible, man. He, uh, Emerson has been has been uh, almost like the the vice president figurehead for Mike Masters, and he doesn't have to do shit except for just like rep us. And yeah, he does it. He does it so. He does it because he fucking wants to see the league succeed. It's yeah. fucking incredible the fact that he has that much faith and 
and trust in what we do. And he's like, man, this is just sick for Salt Lake. And you guys, I'm just so happy you're doing it again. I mean, yeah. he said it like, he said it multiple times, man. Yeah. He's the shit. He's yeah. beyond the shit. Shout out to Emerson. Yeah. We've, we've given him roses here plenty of times. Yeah. Uh, but he deserves it. Yeah. Um, all right. We're getting close to wrapping up. There's two things I want to touch on before we do. Um, I want you to talk about the EP for a moment. And then with the EP, is this leading to an album? So the let's talk about the EP, Yesterday's Poem. Mm -hmm. And it's available on all streaming platforms. And uh, the single for it is called Back in My Bag. And I am very proud of it, man. I'm just very proud of it. I think that... Uh, any, like having any sort of runner up to Darby Hand is difficult. And I don't think that this even like touched it, but I think that it's like at least a precursor for me, which is spring loading me into uh, what this album that I wanted to get done um, by the end of the year after my son's born. Um, and that probably like a couple months, you know, the, mm -hmm. uh, like of like being buckled down, you know, and then after that, being able to insert him into my music, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, finishing the year out strong with a you know 12 to 15 track album and that's the plan yeah so but i wanted to get yesterday's poem out before he came um so that uh because i know that that's going to be like pretty locked down season you yeah know? yeah down. and that and coincides even with like mike masters like i um thank god like uh, i have jer and a couple others that i can really lean on um because, you know, even though we have an event in May and July, I may not be at either. Yeah. Which is totally fine. You know, yeah. like, I, but I'm on the back and behind the scenes making sure we got the venue space right, da da da, da and all that. And I trust Jer and all, I, yeah. So I just got a lot going on. Yeah. So let's talk about the, again, the biggest project dropping eight weeks from now. How, how far are we? Uh, eight weeks, 60 days, <sighs> roughly. Okay. Yeah. Give or take. Um, mentally where are you at with that um i don't know as as steadfast as i feel like i can be yeah i don't know i don't know what to think and by know? that by what i'm talking about if if you just accidentally fast forwarded to this point and you're like what project is he uh, uh my guy has a son on the way yeah so about eight weeks away um yeah what i mean i told you this when i came and did your <laughs> Everything is about to change, and I, I, and you will not understand until the baby is born. And because my dad said the same shit, everything's about to change. I know, I know, Dad. But then when it happens, it happens, and I don't know how to explain it to you other than when it does happen, uh, you'll feel it. But right now, where are you at? Excited, scared, nervous, all the above. Where am I at with it? I am. I'm excited. I'm also like looking forward to it. I'm like I'm already proud. I'm already proud of him. He's not. I, I don't. I, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know anything that he's done yet. Yeah, he hasn't done shit yet. Um, you know how you know how parents are always like, especially when the baby's first born. My wife and I are very guilty of this, posting on social all the time, like our personal socials of like, oh look, he smiled. Uh, but you are so proud. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, oh look at that big shit he just took. <laughs> And here comes another one. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, you're proud of him, and he's not even here. Go on. Um, 
Yeah, naturally nervous just because I've never, you know, it was my first go at it. I'm <laughs> so a little nervous. Uh, I think I felt a little bit of it today because my sister just had a baby today. March 27th is his birth- mm. her birthday. Yeah. Um, and uh, like just like the feeling of like she was she wasn't a mother yesterday and like today she's a mother you know and it just like it's like that's just what it is you know like yesterday night you went to sleep when the baby was inside of you and then today tonight you're going to be going to sleep and you got to make sure that it's fed because it's no longer she's not going to sleep but yeah yeah (laughs) but you know yeah 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 yeah. Uh, night will come (laughs) uh, yeah um so like that transition of like not being a father to being a father like what does that mean you know and so i i i haven't i don't know i i really don't know and i think that's what's exciting about it too is like the the that i don't know yeah and it's also you know why i've been researching like a motherfucker because i'm i like to be as researched and prepared as possible for most things Mm -hmm. and i every single thing i read it's just like it's like circles it doesn't even (laughs) like they're trying to explain fucking 10 different things about how it's just like preparation of like you know the car seat and shit and uh just like the mental process is more directed towards making sure of safe environments and and um where they feel secure and yeah. uh safe it just keeps going back to like safety you right. know and i while i understand that i think i i'm i'm more ready to dive into these next six you know six to eight weeks of just like what how do i compartmentalize to be able to retain myself to some degree mm-hmm. you know because i I just, uh, I've I've taken so much of initiative to bring myself to where I am today that um, I want to be able to show that to my son, you know, to be able to do that. And so, like, that's a big part that I'm trying to really hone in on and be like, fuck, dude, like, your dad's a shit and so is your mom. Your mom's a shit too, Mm -hmm. you know, and um, we're we're just you're just gonna you're coming in you're he's he's entering a family of a lot of love which is excellent you know yeah and um so yeah i'm excited i'm scared a little bit uh because it's gonna be mine yeah so like taking care of it making sure you know he is safe right you know and doesn't you know like anything you know yeah i'm not even gonna put it out into the universe but y'all know what i'm talking about you yeah know? just like anything yeah. Like in anything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like everything, you know, you're just like guiding this little human along the course. And especially like the first couple of weeks, like they're just fucking. Hey. The first couple of weeks of a child, it's, it's, it's nothing makes sense. You're going to be so tired. Well, I shouldn't say for sure you're going to be so tired. But if I was a, to put money on it, I'd say you and your, your girl would be very, very tired. And you're going to get to the point where you're just like, all right, he's eaten, he's pooped, uh, he's burped. Why is he crying? Yeah. <laughs> and it, you figure it out, right? Like, but those first, the first couple weeks, 
the first two weeks are so wild, but you make it through somehow. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I, I'm really looking forward to the bonding experience of like first like looking at him and like him opening his eyes and like looking at me and us oh, like locking yeah. eyes. Forget and about it. For, oh, yeah, bro. You, you think you know the feeling of love, you know, and then that happens and you're just like, I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything. You talked about EK coming out of his body in that battle. Times that by a million, and that's what it feels like when that happens. Wow. Yeah. Just I'm excited for you, man. I can I, feel it. I like I I, I yeah. I'm, I'm excited. excited. I'm very excited for you. I'm here to help. You know what I'm saying? If you have questions, I'm, you've I'm, been a big help already. Yeah. Well, with all, with all the things that you and Shav has been able to hook up, man. With um, as far as uh, baby items and things yeah. like that, dude. Thank you so much. Yeah. Of course, man. I mean, if you have, we are friends, y'all. Yeah. For we real. Really are. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we really are. I mean, if, if there's ever a you know a question, yeah, I will hit me. You know what I mean? But babies, all ba- I will say this: all babies are different. I have friends who have had babies. They're like, oh, f- slept great this whole time. Um, you know, my son was a really good sleeper when we got past like that two week period, and I think he probably would have been a good sleeper if me and my wife would have just like understood that we shouldn't be switching shifts every like two hours at night. That was fucking awful. I'll, after, we'll go, we'll talk about that offline. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, that's not the move. Yeah, it's <laughs> not the good plan, but anyways, yeah, I'm always here to help, man. I'm excited for you. We're going to get close to wrapping this up. I think we've been going, let's see. Now we're in 40 minutes ish. That's good. That's okay. good. Yeah. Um, I want to get into some kind of our, my rapid fire questions that I do on here. All right. So the first one, always super easy. 24 hours to live what's your last meal whoa 24 hours to live what's my last meal and it would be dude um very cheesy mac and cheese mm. um with bacon on top Ooh, on top yeah okay. like and that. then uh that would probably fill me up but um <laughs> um uh ice cream sandwich Okay. For dessert, like a fat boy, yeah, okay, for dessert. Um, and my entree, a, a side of asparagus. Oh, well, of course, um, you gotta be healthy, yeah. And I would say, like, a uh, like four king crab legs, okay, yeah, all right, I'm yeah. With that. Uh, next, and I don't drink. I don't drink anymore. But if if it's my last meal, dude, <laughs> if it's my last meal, dude, yeah, to to wash all that shit down, <laughs> damn, that is funny as fuck. Um, <laughs> I don't drink, just so everyone knows. Yeah, but but if, if I'm uh, dying, yeah, no, that's saying you know, folks that know me, I definitely used to get it in. But um, if uh, just to, to for real wash it down, it would be like, um. Ooh, like Hennessy Black uh, mm. on the rocks. Okay. Yeah. And like filled up. Yeah. Yeah. Just a glass. Yeah, a glass. <laughs> yeah. Like a 12, 20, just a fucking, <laughs> yeah. what's in that? Just all, <laughs> just all Hennessy, Hennessy Black. And ice. Beautiful. Nah, I was just playing. Um, uh, okay, next question. Okay. Your favorite movie? Uh, it's a, it's a toss-up. For real, it is a toss-up, but I would say 
Is this like on an island shit? Like if you just your your personal favorite Goodfellas. film that, that Goodfellas? Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. But that there's two I Snatch. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then Everything Ever, Everywhere All at Once. Mm, I haven't watched that yet. Dude. Yeah. My mother in law had a hard time. She watched it and she was like, I maybe I don't get it. And I'm like, well Game Changer. Yeah. Okay. All right. Honestly, I'm, made my top five. Yeah. Oh wow. All yeah, time. Okay. All time. Beautiful. Um, all right, next question. You can pick one MC. Okay. Not named Emerson Kennedy or Gabino Grimes. Okay. To represent Utah in the rap Olympics. From here? Yes. Okay, to yeah, represent it has, Utah. It has to be. Yes, yes. To represent in the rap Olympics. It could you know, I mean you have you have a, there's a, a lot. I just uh, need one though. One guy where you're like you're 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 uh, Apollo Creed, and you're getting Rocky ready to just go in there and just be the champ that he is. Or you I know guess what? Maybe you'd be Polly. Um, uh, for real, probably because um, this cat can rap and do everything, but he's a bitter, a bar spitter. I would be confident in Bobby B Mac. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm with it. I love, I mean, I've said it here before, but I love everything that that whole team does. But Bobby is, yeah. Okay. But he's a bar spitter. He is, yeah. Well, I mean, he, his he music was, is excellent. I'm talking about, I'm yeah. talking. And he was in the early days of my uh, Yeah, he was, yeah. He was like a teenager. 16. Yeah. Incredible. And still like doing well. Yeah. Yeah. Against fucking adults, man. Like, yeah. Okay. It, I love that. That's what, that's what, yeah. Okay. Okay. Next question. Uh, one person that you've gone up against in battles that you feel got the absolute best of you. Emerson Kennedy. Okay. Yeah, I guess that's easy. Huh? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm 100%. <laughs> Dad, dude, that got cut me in my knees, dude. <laughs> that was rough. Uh, all right. On an island for a year. You only get three albums to listen to. What are they? Capital Punishment. Shout out to Pun. Big Pun. Capital Punishment. Um, Damn it. Uh, Let's say Stillmatic by Nas. And then let's say... I just want to sing by music, Soul Child. Mm. Okay, perfect. Do, 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 mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you used to beatbox that? Yeah. <laughs> I used to sing to my, yeah. Sunny? Sunny? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Sunny and then Just Friends. Just Friends. Yeah. yeah. Great song. <laughs> Love. There's so many things. Yeah. Dude. Yeah, that one. <laughs> this shit is hard. Yeah, it is. Uh, he just put out a new album with Hit Boy. If you haven't listened, I have not. It's good. Is it good? Yeah, it is good. I want to hear it. Yeah. Uh, okay. Two more questions. Next one. This is a yes or no. Okay. When your son turns eighteen, 
Okay, and I don't like how this <laughs> No, I'm playing. I'm playing. This is how I'm not going to. Uh, no, I only actually have one question. I was just setting you up to see what your reaction would be when I just say when your son turns 18. Um, and starts ma- <laughs> <laughs> And steals headphones. Dude. From what at that time it'll be the local Amazon store, yeah, because there'll be nothing else around. There'll be nothing. <laughs> uh, no, um, okay, actually, yes, two questions. All right, you can go back to your 18 year old self and tell him something. You right now goes back to 18 year old Nate C just out there, just being a deviant, yeah, getting ready to go into the Air Force. What are you telling that kid? Be patient, mm. be patient. Um. You're the shit. You are the shit. Be patient and slow down. Just slow down. Mm-hmm. You're the shit, and you're just doing. You're just. You're the shit. <laughs> you like you're way. You're awesome. You have a lot going for you. Yeah. And I think that just would you you would benefit a lot if you slowed down. And stop stealing. And stop hanging. Well, there was like some other people that I was hanging around with. Yeah, dude, stop stealing, dude. Hang, dude, hang back. Hang back a little bit. Oh, I'm just messing But with be you. patient. Uh, okay, last question, my friend. You get to put on your own festival, your own concert. I don't want to call it a festival, your own concert. Okay. Four acts, dead or alive, can be any genre as well. It doesn't have to just be hip hop or it can be all hip hop. Um, who are those acts? Four of them. Okay. And I need to know opener, obviously who comes second, third, and then the closer. Okay. So we'll open with Lauren Hill. Jesus. You're gonna start late, by the way, just as an FYI to everyone who hasn't you're, seen you're it. gonna start L Boogie Live. You're gonna start at eleven. <laughs> yeah. Um, show doors open at seven. Um, <laughs> we'll uh yeah, we'll start we'll open the show with Lauren Hill, and that'll just like um Next, and I would like for her to end with like um, end her set with a a, a rap Fuji's track mm-hmm. because it'll go into Sean Price, mm. and Sean Price is gonna get gutter and set the stage on set the tone there, and then from Sean Price, we're gonna get flashy a little bit, and um, but still like rapping, and I would like to have. Nineteen eighty nine, Big Daddy Kane. Ooh, um, yeah, that would be incredible to see. Um, and then the closer would be, honestly, Kendrick Lamar. <whistles> yeah, that's what I would like to see. I'd buy a ticket. Yeah, I'd be there. Yeah, that's what I would like to see. That'd be great. Uh, can I add one more, just really quick? Sure. Sure, sure. Right before Lauren Hill. Actually, this would be the group that sets it off. Santana. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. To create a vibe. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, I got my mom here, you know? And like, <laughs> and it's all good. And then because it'll set the vibe and then boom. You're like, Maybe even have Santana be the band for Lauren. There you go. There you that's go. it. Okay, yeah. that's it. Okay, there okay. you go. So Lauren Hill, Sean Price, 1989 Big Daddy Kane. And then Kendrick Lamar to close. Mm, yeah, love that. sounds tight. All right, I need you to give all thirty-eight places where people can find you. If you can narrow that down into, uh, is it crazy from a third-person perspective, like just to know how much shit I do? Yeah, 
because we didn't even talk about the card stuff. I mean, that's kind of on the back burner at the moment. Right but now, but it's, it's going to come there. back. Yeah. So, yeah, but I mean, yeah, I, <laughs> just try to tell everyone all the shit you do and where to find it. <laughs> <laughs> As if they didn't listen to this whole interview, but uh, where they can find all of those things. All right. Okay, cool. My podcast is at Short Story Bingo on everything on uh, YouTube and all the streaming platforms. The cadence right now is two Fridays on, one Friday off. and Right now, I've just been releasing our stories, but the, I do want to get back to having vacuum sessions uh, of reading stories every now and again, too. So those are just quicker episodes. Anyway, so we've got Short Story being on my podcast, at Gabino Grimes on Twitter. Instagram is where I'm most active, and also on Facebook as well. But Instagram is where I'm most active. That's for more, more like my music. I share very little personal on any of these, really, but... Um, and then Mike Masters Alliance at Mike Masters eight zero one. Excuse me on uh, Instagram, where we post uh, repurposed uh, content from previous battles, um, announce what's coming up next, and all updates are going through that channel. We do on uh, also on Facebook as well. I mean, there's a I forgot that there was like over a thousand likes on that page too. So there's that. Um, and then of course on YouTube, please, please, please. If you're into battles or if you don't know what that is um, and you would like to tech, check it out, we are Utah's original rap battle league since 2012. Uh, YouTube.com backslash uh, Mike masters eight zero one to go through our whole catalog catalog. Um, and then uh, utahrapper.com, which is my website for um, – I, I, it's not merch. It's like what my brand that I, that I make um, my own apparel. That includes like this hat, uh, this hoodie. Um, you sell these on there or is this just – Yeah, this shirt. There yeah, this shirt. But this is all just Mike Master stuff. I have a, like Gabino Grimes signature stuff too on there. So utahrapper.com if you use code – Wonder. It's still there. Yeah. yeah for, the, for the OGs of, the, of this podcast. Yeah, it's still fans. active too. Yeah. Still active. Um, what's it? 15%? 15% off yeah, your so, first, yeah. first so, purchase. UtahRapper.com. So uh, that's, I think I covered it all. And on Spotify, uh, Gabino Grimes, iTunes, uh, Gabino Grimes. My band camp, though, is where you could really support me directly. Mm. Um, and that's where you could purchase. I still have a few of these left. I literally think I have one left, actually. Ooh. Um, uh, the cop, the copy of the album, and then I have copies of um, uh, yesterday's poem on there too. But that to my Bandcamp is what I'm referring to. Direct support, you can actually buy it and keep. Uh, you can have the digital purchase for yourself. Perfect. Thank you, bro. I appreciate it. Thank you, Doug. This was fun. I mean, I knew a lot of this stuff, but also some of the stuff I didn't know, and I think it's important for other uh, everyone out there to know it. So make sure you support him. I was pretty vulnerable guy. on it. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. Make sure you support him in all 25 things he's doing and <laughs> all the other shit he's going to be doing. But in, uh, in all realness, I appreciate you as a friend. appreciate what you do for the community. <laughs> Appreciate what you do for hip hop here. So just keep doing it. I'm excited for you to be a dad. Thank you. Uh, again, it's wild. Just enjoy it. You know what I mean? Take it all in as much as you can. Yeah. Thank you a bunch, man. Seriously, thank you for having me. All the new folks, new folks that are on this page <coughs> that are just barely subscribing, man, keep those numbers running up. He, uh, he works really hard to make this happen with a family and 
to be able to make sure this creative outlet is not in vain. Uh, you know, watch it watch it one time and I he has a secret email that he sends out to folks. I don't even know if I'm supposed to mention that. I mean, but secret like, email club, you don't talk about fight club, but you know what I mean? Number one rule. Yeah. It's okay. But some people if you you know I'll I'll find a way to put it in there and, and Oh, if you maybe I wasn't join, supposed to talk about that, but uh it's fine. The point is, is that like he has a, you know, he's just got a lot of cool shit going on. So I, outside of like his appreciation for me, I just appreciate all the viewers that are tapping in and wanting to hear what what you got going on. So, dog, you're doing a great job. Thank you, bro. Thank you all so much for listening this week. Next week, we will have an NFL draft preview. We are obviously going to talk some more NBA playoffs. We're going to continue to celebrate hip hop's 50th birthday. Until then, make sure you follow me on Twitter at DJ Will Wonder. Follow the podcast on Instagram at the Will Wonder Pod and on YouTube. Follow the Will Wonder Pod YouTube. See y'all next week. Peace. Please subscribe, write, and review. Talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. Peace out.